For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Talking about the weather forecast in Ireland for the next few days while Europe burns in its hottest weather ever. That's a front page of making the sun today. Europe's hottest day ever. Withering weather system named Cerebus, Cerebus, I should say, after the three-headed hellhound from Greek mythology and it's baking resorts across southern Europe last week same kind of problems over in California's Death Valley where it always gets very very hot but in the Death Valley 55.6 degrees Celsius the previous record was 55.4 I think it was Brendan O'Connor had an article in the Sunday Independent yesterday saying where's the effect of we've got to be in trouble lads if it's too hot to go on holidays but this withering weather system is affecting many countries Uh, take your pick um, all the way up from North Africa across southern Europe and that means that you know the Canary Islands and uh, Sardinia and Crete and Sicily and places like that open to Spain Uh, France, Germany, Poland, Italy is being hammered. Uh, Meanwhile, the sun also says, meanwhile, uh, the chilly, chilly Ireland battered by high winds and rain over the weekend and the washout will continue for the rest of the month, say forecasters. Kind of depressing way to start the week, isn't it? But I did take a quick look at a thing called a 45-day forecast yesterday (laughs) from my sins. (laughs) And unless nothing changes, it ain't going to be great. Anyway, all of the papers talk about Europe heat alert for many Irish tourists. The Mirror this morning says Irish holidaymakers heading off to the sun are being advised of the dangers of the blistering heat and to avoid going out in the middle of the day particularly if you're heading to Spain, Italy or Greece for to be um, avoiding the midday sun and thousands are fleeing Euro wildfires ain't nothing funny about this Uh, the heat wave of course comes with an awful lot of chaos um, with regards to fires breaking out and they're honing in on raging um, wildfires on La Palma, one of Spain's Canary Islands so much so that I did read in one of the papers this morning Yeah, the Independent this morning says at least 4,000 people had to be evacuated from their homes on the Spanish island of La Palma because of fires, a forest fire burned out of control following the heat wave and it also means that the Irish now are holding off on last-minute holidays as this heat storm hits Europe. Be interested to know how long is this anticipated uh, to continue? I mean, are we talking days? Are we talking about years? I'm sorry, are we talking about months? Or indeed, are we talking about years? As in, will it always be this way from now on in summertime? Uh, So these kind of records continue to be broken, sweltering heat waves. Irish tourists now delaying last-minute trips as Europe braces for even hotter temperatures to come. So I will come back to this throughout the course of the morning for sure. Perhaps you might be listening overseas. I had a lot of success with this last week, people texting from overseas. Just how where are you and how hot is it? Another story that I'll come back to in a, in a few moments' time is uh, the 41-year-old man who's been charged with the murder of his wife. She was found dead in a house in Wilton on the south side of the city on Friday evening. Rajan Rajan, charged with the murder of 30-year-old, 38-year-old Deepa Dinamini uh, in Cardinal Court in Wilton on the weekend. And there was a special sitting of the court at the weekend. He made no reply when charged, um, when the charges were put to him under caution. Now, the star says that he has been seen by a psychiatrist because he suffers with uh, depression. Uh, so the uh, story on the star also carries photographs of the dead mother 
very sad, tragic story. And also her husband, the father of their child, Rajan Rajan, at a special sitting of Cork District Court. The Independent says he's been charged with the murder uh, as the Indian community offers support. So more about that in, in a few minutes' time. She was a 38-year-old native of the Kerala region in southwest India and I believe had only been here for a number of months. There's another sad tragedy, a Cork man who, you know, we, we knew that he had been, he had, he had died, um, Damien Horgan from Donnerail out in Vietnam. But the Echo this morning reports that he uh, died as a result of injuries from a, a motorbike crash in April and he, he passed away. Um, very sad. Do you remember I was telling the story? He was very unwell for a long, long time out there. Following the accident, he lived out there and worked as an English language teacher uh, for four years. And then we had an awful lot of deaths on our roads, lads, and many of the red tops this morning carry it. It's the front of the sun, front of the star, and front of the mirror, and they all call it. Uh, well, the mirror this morning calls it carnage. Uh, Ronan Keating's brother died in a crash. There was a driver and a co-driver killed in a rally up the country. And then you had a teenager who died in a two-car collision in County Tipperary. So all of those make the red tops this morning. Do politicians take us for fools? Maybe we are, but all of these little budget drip feed you know, of uh, you know all these lovely little tokens that they want to give us in the upcoming budget. The latest one, apparently, in the front of the independent says it will be a one-off double payment of child benefit for parents. So for one week, instead of two hundred and eighty, it'll be sorry, instead of one hundred and forty per child, it'll be two hundred and eighty. So the more children you have of a children's allowance age, the more you will get in a one-off payment. But that's it. It's just another one of those sweeteners to keep us in our place and to try and convince us that really and truly those that are running the country actually care and know what they're doing. They're also talking about increasing the state-funded, where you were paid to take parental leave, that that state-funded parental leave would be extended by another two weeks, meaning that parents will be able to take up to nine weeks off work after the children are born and be paid while doing so. The papers also this morning talk in quite some detail with regards to the continuing battle um, to eliminate Alzheimer's. Um, And it was very sad news uh, the last week or two to read about the television presenter of Fiona Phillips who came out and said that she has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's at the age of 62. And I was reading a few articles regarding Fiona, lovely, lovely woman and a great presenter. And she was always saying that it was that worry was always lurking in her mind because both her father and her mother suffered and died with Alzheimer's. And when she was diagnosed, she kind of half expected it. It's, it's very sad. She's now taking part in new clinical trials of a drug. One of them, and there are three different drugs at the moment, um, showing great signs uh, to battle and combat Alzheimer's. And one of them, which is an Eli Lilly drug, which is going through the process at the moment, uh, claims that they're having really good um, responses to the drug and it's slowing mental decline by up to 36%, targeting the brain protein uh, that um, that Alzheimer's, the drug itself, kind of thrives on. So that's very interesting. And as time goes on, hopefully we'll reach a case or a time in this planet when they'll have handled cancer and they'll handle dementia and Alzheimer's and other brain-related issues. Uh, I'm not going to talk about RTE until there's something new to talk about in RTE. I think that's kind of a bait and bird for now, so we'll have to see where it goes. But it's interesting because the Mail on Sunday did a, a survey of um, uh, Irish people 
uh, over the weekend uh, with uh, Amorok and the survey showed that over a third of people would cap the RTE super salaries, if you like, at €100,000. So 33% would have the likes of Ryan Tuberty and Joe Duffy on 100 grand, and 4 in 10 said that it should have a €200,000 limit, as in that should be the highest salary that any presenter or indeed any worker in RTE should earn. Uh, Meanwhile, they're also talking in the mail this morning of a register, a compulsory register that all RTE on-air staff or staff in general, radio, television, whatever you, uh, would have to declare any earnings or any gifts that they would get from brand partnership partnerships. So this would be broadcasters who are also bloggers and influencers. And they have some photographs this morning uh, of various stars. Uh, Lottie Ryan with a little tub of Aflorex, Alflorex. Uh, there's another one then of uh, Darren Garrahy uh, sipping on Gordon's gin. And Catherine Thomas uh, standing next to a big brand new SUV Peugeot. Um, so everybody then would have to know as in all of us, uh, how much they were paid uh, and why they were paid it. See that story from East Cork. I'd love your thoughts on this. It is a greyhound track that fails to attract punters. So a Cork greyhound track, which was bailed out earlier this year, is attracting an average of just three members of the public at its twice-weekly meetings. So there's more dogs at it than there are punters supporting the races. So it meets twice weekly, y'all Greyhound Track. And in the in if you look at the thirty one meets during the first four months of this year, ninety two attendees in total, which is about three punters per meet. Um you need to take out there'd be there'd be more trainers there, there'd be more bookmakers there, there'd be more dogs there than would be people actually attending the meet. Now, that's all very well, bad enough as it is, but apparently this track received €763,000 in funding in the last three years. And it was only days away from closing for good in April and it got a last-minute reprieve. Isn't that that really alarming um, that you would have so few people supporting a Greyhound track that was bailed out to the tune of over three quarters of a million euro. Your thoughts on that are welcome. Now, Wimbledon, of course, came to a close yesterday. Unfortunately, the women's final was very disappointing. Nerves played, nerves, tension and stress played a huge part in, in the in the Ansjabur defeat on Saturday. But the Alcaraz-Djokovic match did not disappoint. Shocking first set, 6-1 in the first set. And I thought, oh my God, this is going to be a three-set whitewash. But he turned it around and took away Djokovic's crown yesterday and it makes many of the papers today. Um, it's as much as the photograph of Alcaraz with the trophy as it is those in the uh, attending on Centre Court. And it's all very well because, of course, it's the BBC we watch. So we have to live with all of the cutaways to the royal family over and over and over again. And the smallies, the little fella, the king-in-waiting and the king-in-king-in-waiting. And that's fine. I have no axe to grind there, even though I got totally fed up of looking at them. But it's the BBC and it's the royal family, so we don't have any uh, reason to um, get odd about that, I suppose. But I think what was, what was what many people are honing into this morning is the celebs in the audience. Daniel Craig looking great. But there are many columnists in the papers over the last 24 hours particularly female ones, who said that it was Brad Pitt who stole the day. How old is Brad Pitt now? Is he like, what, 
69, 70, 71. He's got to be pushing 60 anyway if he's a day. And he looks about 25 or 30. I have no idea how he does it. I think the clothes that he wears, he's 59, thank you. I think the clothes and the style that he has and the aviator sunglasses, are they aviator or navigator sunglasses? I haven't a clue. He just looks aviator. He looks absolutely spot on. And if you saw him yesterday, Wimble, you wonder, what in the hell is his secret like? Brad Pitt. Anyway, that's a story that makes the uh, papers today because of uh, all of the celebs, the turnout for the finals. And then Alan Titchmarch, March, Marsh even, makes this morning's mail because he's going on about these trendy rewilding gardens. You know the people who refuse to cut their grass because they want to leave it for the bumblebees and the insects and the creepy crawlies and all that kind of thing. I have no issue with that. If it's your garden, do whatever you want with it. But he says that actually leaving your gardens go to wild is bad for the wildlife. That's fine. But can we forget that and look at the neighbours from hell instead? Those people that insist on cutting their grass at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock of a Sunday morning when people are trying to have a lion. And if they're not bad enough, those cutting their grass at 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning, what about those then that fire up the power tools or the leaf blowers or the electric saws or the angle grinders at 8, 9 or 10 o'clock of a Sunday morning? I mean, have you ever told your neighbour to turn them off, that you're trying to have a lion. So neighbours from hell, lads, give us your thoughts. Text 0868104106. You wanted to jump in, go ahead. Just uh, for all of the people who do cut their grass early in the morning, it does, professionals do say, now there is some debate in the gardening community, so I'm led to believe, but most professional gardeners would agree that between 8am and 10am is the best time of day to cut your grass. No, it's not. It should be damp then. That's, uh, no, it says, uh, it says uh, the lawns need time to heal before before the evening, grass needs the benefit of the day to dry. What time is the best time? Between eight and ten a.m. on a Sunday morning. On a Sunday morning, out you go with your lawnmower. You're right on, maybe. Out you go. It says uh, midday isn't the most optimal time, but is generally safe. The afternoon is the second best time of day, so between four and six. What so about a DIY? What about a DIY expert with an angle grinder? At 8 or 9 well, or 10 on a Sunday morning. It's got to be the worst sound on the planet, isn't it? Angle grinders. Yeah. yeah, Kango Hammers, I think, as well. Kango Hammers are one of those where you wake up and you hear a Kango Hammer and it's just like, it's one of those sounds that the minute you hear it, you can't get back to sleep. Do you know kind of way? Well, the like minute, the, for a lot of people, the minute somebody fires, someone fires up the lawnmower, that's it. The lion is over. Yeah. It's game but, over. Uh, but I think, I think lawnmowers, I can kind of, you can kind of, it becomes a background noise that angle grinders. And the thing about angle grinders as well is that it's not just one constant noise. It's the, you know, it's constantly, it's like the way it like sides through and makes it. Yeah. Oh, God. I think no. the only thing that should be acceptable at eight or nine o'clock is to quietly wash your car. I, I actually um, can I um, just very quickly jump in speaking of things that keep people awake at night um, somebody put up on the Cork um, Reddit page which is which is very good it says to Sean and Jen who are having a domestic outside my house for 10 minutes on Evergreen Street at 2am because Jen woke me up with her screaming and whining Sean, a word of advice run to the hills <laughs> So there you go. That's another thing that now, keeps and people this up. This is the two o'clock in the morning, and now I'm back to sleep. All right, keep those. Start on those text lines. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Particularly if you have issues with neighbours of a Sunday morning, and whether or not you've ever actually said to them, "Would you ever turn that effing thing off?" 
Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. And so to another tragedy on Side over the weekend, the killing of a mother. And the story makes all of the papers today. Deepa Dinamani at Cardinal Court in Wilton in Cork on the 14th of July, last uh, Friday evening. And the papers pick up on that this morning because um, uh, there's a man now, a 41-year-old man, has been charged with the murder of his wife. And that is Regin Rajan, charged with the murder contrary to common law of the 30-year-old wife and mother. Uh, I believe that the alarm was raised because uh, their son was over um, visiting a buddy's house and wasn't collected. And then people obviously must have gone to check as to why the child wasn't picked up. And of course, it was at that stage that Deepa was found dead in her home. Paul Byrne with Virgin Media News broke the story on, on Friday evening and he joins me by phone. Um, and I know it's it's still quite sketchy, but Paul, good morning. Thanks for taking the call. Good morning, Neil. What, what do we know uh, of this entire story? Um, I, I hear that, um, that, D- that D- Deepa and her family only came to Ireland something like three months ago, three, maybe four months ago. Is that right? That's right. Uh, three to four months ago, the family arrived because uh, Deepa, who was a senior accountant, uh, she was sought after by a financial services company based at the airport business park. And uh, she landed a job with them and she arrived here. She was working with them uh, at the airport business park. Uh, her husband, uh, Rajan 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 was not working at the time because that emerged in court yesterday when he was charged that he was out of work and he had no financial means. That's why he but would I, have got legal aid, I guess. Yeah. That's, that's right. But I suppose if we take you back to Friday night, just around 10 o'clock, Neil, um, the um, house is based at Cardinal Court in Wilton, which is near Cork University Hospital. And basically, I suppose, if you come out of the Wilton Bar and turn right, uh, Cardinal Court is just down to your right hand side. It's a, a fairly built up residential area. Uh, lots of rental properties down there. Lots of lots of um, hospital staff, nurses, doctors um, living there who are working in the healthcare service here in Cork. But uh, just about 10 o'clock on Friday night, uh, this person called to the house with the couple's five-year-old son because Deepa was to collect her little boy, the five-year-old, and she failed to do so. And this woman then called to the house at Cardinal Court and it emerged that Deepa was basically dead in a bedroom upstairs in the rented property. Emergency services were called and within minutes of arriving, they sealed off the scene and Deepa's husband, Regin, was arrested. Now, luckily, um, the five-year-old boy, their son, did not see anything. Uh, he was taken away immediately and uh, cared for by the, the, the lady who he had been, um, whose house he had been with at throughout the afternoon with her son. Uh, Deepa's husband, Regin Rajan, 41-year-old, was arrested and taken to Tokagarda Station where he was questioned up until uh, quarter to three on Sunday morning in relation to the alleged uh, murder. Um, he appeared in court yesterday morning just after half past ten. It was a special sitting. He was brought in uh, through the front entrance. Detective uh, Garda Alan Johnson uh, gave details in the court of the arrest to charge and caution and the court was told that Regin Rajan, 41 years of age, made no reply. Now, a solicitor was appointed and that solicitor was Eddie Burke. Uh, 
He represented the accused in court yesterday. He said his client has no visible means, is out of work, uh, is suffering from depression and applied to the court then that free legal aid would be granted and that once he was detained in Cork prison that he would benefit from the services of a psychiatrist. Judge Olin Kelleher said that he would direct that that would happen and Regin Rajan, Regin Rajan was then remanded in custody. Because it's a murder charge the district court is precluded from granting bail so no application for bail was granted or applied for and he was remanded in custody and he's due to appear in court again on Thursday via video link. Mm-hmm. I, I know that um, obviously when the discovery of her body was made, uh, Gardy were called, emergency services were called, I think she was uh, pronounced dead but transferred to the CUH, there was a post-mortem carried out. Do we know how she died? Yeah, um, we know that she suffered uh, at least one stab wound and I understand that she received a stab wound to the neck. Um, She was found lying in a pool of blood and it's a possibility and of course this will all form part of the investigation but she may have been dead for several hours and that of course will come out in due course. Gardaí are still, you know, investigating it's still very early in the investigation, even though someone has been charged. There will be, you know, more questioning done. Uh, there will be questioning neighbours, friends, relatives, and finding out last movements of all people concerned. Um, but as I said, it's understood that she died from at least one stab wound. The post-mortem was carried out at Cork University Hospital on Saturday afternoon. Her body was removed from the crime scene on Saturday morning at around half past ten. Uh, um, mm. the, the, the hearse pulled up uh, her body was taken out in, in a body bag on a stretcher into the hearse and um, a paddy wagon drove in front of that paddy in front of the hearse up to Cork University Hospital where a post-mortem took place and then formal identification will also have to have taken place uh, Obviously all of the neighbours who live in the Cardinal Court area would have been shocked with the news without a doubt they would yeah, I mean, I spoke to people out there on Saturday morning, you know, they, they saw the blue lights and the ambulances and the emergency services on, on Friday night. They had no idea really what happened until Saturday morning when, or late on Friday night when it broke and in, in, in the media. Uh, lots of people woke up on Saturday morning not knowing what happened until they saw um, the guards outside the door and the camera crews and photographers and again, sent shockwaves through the community and uh, you know, there's lots of Indian. Uh, the, let's remember the, the the family are from India. There's a lots of um, people from the Indian community living out there as well, and uh, just totally, totally numbed by what has happened. T- in yeah. fact, so much so they held a vigil last night. Yeah, I'll talk to them about that in a moment. Just finally, uh, obviously, um, someone is looking after the little five-year-old boy. Yeah. Yeah, you know. It is absolutely frightening to think what this little lad is going to go through. He has lost a mummy and his dad is now in custody in court charged with the murder of his wife, that little boy's mum. And if convicted, I suppose the little boy will lose a father. Um, There are no words. And at five years of age, Neil, you must remember, this boy will start to ask questions. Where's mum? Where's dad? And somebody will have that difficult, difficult task of telling him the truth yeah, and yeah, yeah. It, that, that will stay with that boy for years forever it's something that 
a little boy will find very, very hard to understand. And that will have to be done very carefully in a delicate manner. It's not going to happen probably from the lady who was minding him. This will probably be done by specialists from the HSE who will have that difficult task of telling him that his mum is dead and that... Um, you know, his father won't be with him for a while. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, let's let's see what happens as it proceeds to court. Paul Byrne with Virgin Media News. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, he did correctly say that there was a vigil organised uh, at the weekend um, in the general area of the property where this tragedy occurred and flowers were laid. Um, and uh, a member of the Cork Pravazi Malayali uh, community on, on Leaside organised uh, that vigil at the weekend and Shiju, one of those, Shiju Joy uh, joins me by phone. So Shiju, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, did you did you, did you you lay flowers? I think there could have been upwards of 150 people, am I right? Yes, certainly. And you, you, laid, fl- you laid flowers outside the Cardinal Court home in Wilton? Yes. Um, uh, we almost all the Indian community came to the and to the you know, the condolences to the outside the mm, home. Mm, mm. A candlelit vigil. Did you know, uh, did you know, or do you know the family? Did you actually know Deepa? Uh, no, it's early. Uh, most of the our people is not familiar with them because uh, nobody is not personally them because they are very new here. Uh, they're not familiar with the, you know, even the neighbors, they know them very well. Um, but it's a, to us very shock. Um, even we all the Indian communities are really shocked with the news. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, First of yeah. all, we uh, it's the deepest condolence to people's family. Um, uh, and I don't do, know how do, do they take their family? Am, am, am I right in saying that maybe not all of her family in India know of her death yet? Have they have they all been informed? Yeah, they all been informed with the news. They all. Oh no! Uh, all know now, um, especially all the Indians know now the news. Um, all are very shocked, so they are all communicate to, to the to the who is this, uh, which part from India and their native place. But nobody's know currently uh, where they are from, which part, well, yeah. in which part, yeah. uh, you know. No, I just um, I, I had heard that Deepa has a brother back in India. But that he hasn't yeah. told his parents yet that he would be telling them today because they're yeah. elderly and they live in a different village. Is that accurate? Yeah, it's even I just spoke to the, uh, her brother today because we contacted with the social media. Just I spoke to him. Um, even he knows the news yesterday evening uh, from the officer called him. So he, he just saw he just hear the news and he is very upset. Even they are very, very worried about the son. Uh, they are calling son, him. His, uh, yeah, I yeah. think, yeah. Uh, the pet name is Apu. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we're well, we, well. We're all we're all very, very worried for him, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, we feel uh, he's going to have yeah. a very difficult time. Um, but it, both parents are elderly, so they have to be told the news. That will be heartbreaking news for a son to have yes, to deliver. Absolutely. I don't know how they feel it. Uh, even how he can manage the parents because he, I think he is on the way to home to tell he's the on parents his way how to, to handle it. Yeah, yeah. It's so um, so tragic. Okay, your 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 vigil laid flowers and lit candles in the area. I believe is that right? Yes, yes. Yeah, as a mark of 
of respect and condolences for the loss. Okay, listen, Shiju, thank you so much for yes. taking the call this morning. Thank Appreciate you. it. Much thank obliged. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, text 0868104106, lads. Um, pick up the phone on 0818104106 for all of the business. Obviously, there's very little more can be added to this story uh, until it becomes, um, and now actually is, an active uh, guard investigation. A man has been charged. So we're limited with regards to what we can say going forward, obviously by virtue of the fact that this will become a very, very serious um, uh, court case at the highest courts in the land. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Corks Red FM. Keep them coming, your neighbours, uh, not necessarily from hell, but neighbours that do things that are just not acceptable, particularly early in the morning or indeed maybe all day long. Uh, you might be living next to a, a very, very noisy building extension, for instance. Text 0868-104-106. I, I think it's fabulous to see. Uh, it came with uh, one of the red tops this morning. A fabulous pullout for, and I see it in the Irish Daily Mail today, an eight-page pullout uh, for the Irish women's soccer team. Uh, they're in Group B up against Australia, Nigeria and Canada. First game is on Thursday against Australia, but very much the news over the past few days has been dominated by Denise O'Sullivan and the so-called Colombian friendly game that released, re- resulted in her being taken to hospital uh, with a shin injury after a foul by one of the Colombian players. It was supposed to be a warm-up game. Now, as we probably all know at this stage, I'm hoping we do, the uh, video of it was released. I think it was released in South America first. And then, of course, when it's up on social media, ever sees, everyone sees it. Uh, and it didn't look to me as if the Colombian was going for the ball at all. And it looked far from a warm-up game. Uh, anyway, at that stage, of course, uh, the Irish team left the pitch and the friendly game was abandoned. But everybody's worried as to um, what's the state of play with Denise O'Sullivan. She's, got a, she's had a boot on uh, since she left hospital uh, and everybody is, fingers crossed, hopefully that she will return to training and will figure in the line out. But I, I love this supplement that comes to the papers today because it tells us everything and everything, everything and everything we need to know about the Irish girls. And it's got that pullout, you know, the 32 teams, the 64 games, and you can fill in the results all the way from the, all the way through the, the first round, the last 16. You can fill in the scores and everything like that that we did for years and years when it came to the Irish and indeed the men's World Cups for years gone by. Uh, but just to catch up on this, actually, if you don't mind, Claire Shine is the former Irish international who played uh, for the SWPL club in Glasgow, previously played for the Women's National League club in Cork City. She made her debut for Ireland in 2015, played till 2022. Uh, originally uh, went to school in Regina Mundy in Douglas. And she joins me by phone. Claire, good morning. Well, it's good evening over here in it, Sydney, um, it, but good evening, good morning, whatever. Yeah, fair play to you. Thanks for taking <laughs> the call. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, no problem. We, we, we wish to be talking about better things to come with regards to performances on the pitch, but what is the state of play with Denise as we speak? So Denise had her boots back on today, um, which was very positive to see for from an Irish perspective. Um as knowing Denise, she would never have went down unless she there was contact. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think, you know, it is a very positive uh, thing to see Denise with her boots back on. You know, the medical staff wouldn't have allowed that to happen if they didn't 
um, believed that she was capable of doing so. So, yeah, it's very positive to see Denise back on on the pitch at training today. So that was my question to Did she take part in active training today? Um, she, I know she started off the session. I don't think she did any contact. Um, but it's still very positive to see that she actually has the boot off and she has her football boots back on. Um, I'd say it's probably going to be a slow and steady um, intro- introduction back into um, contact over the next maybe 24 hours, um, but it is very positive looking towards Thursday. Okay. Can we just refer to the injury? This was supposedly a warm-up, a friendly game. Um, I was reading somewhere that... <laughs> That the tensions were high even before the so-called kickoff of the, of the friendly. What do you know of the events? So, as far as I know, um, the FAI have given the media the go-ahead to go in and, and to report on the game. Um, and I think an hour before kickoff, the Colombians stopped it and said that they didn't want them uh, taking down their tactics. They didn't want them to to be recording the game, basically. Um, so RT and all the other media um, attendees that were there weren't allowed left in to the stadium at all. Um, so that was kind of a shocking start. And is it normal that you would be happened. allowed in there for a warm-up? Because tactics are private, I suppose. I mean, would media be allowed into training sessions and things like this? Um, they'd be allowed into a certain capacity, yeah. Uh, what they're allowed to record, um, I'm not too sure. But, you know, for the likes of all the other uh, friendly games that happened, this is the only one that seems to be behind closed doors. Mm, mm. And then it resulted in Denise having a, an injury. So so there was no media in there to report on that, inj- on that in- injury. All we know is the footage that was released on, on social media. It, it didn't look to me um, that Daniela Caracas was going for the... Was it Daniela Caracas? No, Lorena Bedoya that she was going for the ball. Yeah, yeah I completely agree with you. Um, you know, she was she was late um, and Denise had her foot planted and she seemed to just caught her high uh, on the shin area, just underneath her shin guard, which is a very sensitive area. So um, for her, uh, the Colombian player to come in um, as high as that with her studs, you know, up in the air is, is really dangerous. And, you know, we're lucky enough that we have um, that Denise didn't come away with with a worse injury. Yeah. Now, I did read as well this morning that some of the Colombian team are ridiculing the Irish girls for walking off the field because of one little foul. That's kind of code for saying toughen up. Yeah, and I've read a lot of other stuff as well, um, which, you know, isn't always nice to hear, but, you know, we didn't, we don't really know what else went on. We don't know what the conversation's that were had at the stadium, you know, during the incident that happened or afterwards. Um, I know there was a lot of stuff online about what the Colombians were saying, um, and I won't repeat mm. uh, some of the stuff that they were playing or that they were saying, um, which isn't nice, uh, you know, but I've heard a lot of, uh, of stuff about the Colombian team and, you know, they played USA and, and they did similar things to the USA uh, national team as well um, a number of months ago, so... I think they're pretty known for doing things like that. Yeah, it's not in the spirit of the game. I believe that the FAI has other evidence and they refuse to supply or release it. Um, They call it roughhousing by the South Americans. Um, What could that evidence be? Is it other video footage maybe of other events at the match? 
I'm not too sure. That's probably the first I've heard of it. Um, I do know that they are quite rough and tough and they don't really pull out of anything. Um, they do target players. Um, and I think maybe, you know, for us to actually play a team like that a couple of days before we were going into our first game in the World Cup is is quite questionable. But, you know, we are playing Nigeria. Um, you have uh, and play... Um, quite like Colombia so that was probably the reasoning behind it um, so we could probably you know um, be expecting a game a very tough game like that against Nigeria in the third game uh, of the group you, Do you believe it was right for the manager to pull the Irish team off the pitch? Yeah I do I do I think we have one of the biggest games of um, of the girls lives coming up on Thursday against Australia in front of you know 82,000 um, fans it's the opening game of the World Cup. You know, the last thing we needed um, was someone to get seriously injured. So, you know, she had to protect the players and mm. she had to pull them off. Mm. OK, OK. Thursday then, Australia versus Republic of Ireland. That's an 11 a.m. Um, uh, kickoff Irish times, I believe, isn't it? All of it will be televised. You're, you're working for RTE out there, I believe. Is that right, Claire? Yeah, I'm on the co-commentary for uh, RTE Radio 2 with Adrian Ames. Excited? Um, for the... Very excited, yeah. Yeah, I am. I'm looking forward to it now. Something completely different. Um, but yeah, I've uh, my homework done for the game, so I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And tell me this, what's the buzz like out there? Because um, we're uh, obviously getting very excited here at home. But what, what's it like there, particularly with the Irish community? Yeah, you know, majority of the population over here is Irish, as we all know. Um when I went for a walk down by the Sydney Harbour and the Opera House, there was, um, you know, construction happening. There was um, a massive stage in the middle of uh, production. Um, you know, there's um, the Matildas are all over uh, trains and, and the buzz for the World Cup is, is pretty much real. Um, I've been out here a couple of days now. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to explore because I was invited to a, um, a football writers festival. But from what I've, I have seen, you know, um, there's massive publicity for it over here. And, you know, um, everybody is really looking forward to it. What do you think Ireland's chances are? You know, I, we're underdogs, as we always are. Mm. Um, I think we're going to have our, our homework done. We're going to be ready for the game. It's the biggest game, you know, that they'll ever play. Um, they're going to give everything that they have they've sacrificed so much to be in the position that they are today and you know where I'm really looking forward to to seeing them um go out onto the pitch and and you know show everybody um why they deserve to be there and what a a, a better fitting way to to do that in the opening game um and I know as far as far as I've uh, excuse me as much as I've seen there's like 4000 fans flying in from Ireland today um, and there's a, a, a massive population of Irish over here as well so we're all it. going to be behind the team and, and it's going to be it's yeah. going to be incredible let's get behind them and is Denise O'Sullivan is central to the Ireland success yeah absolutely she needs to play yes she needs to play she's the backbone of the team she pulls the strings um our performances are, you know, so much better when Denise is in the squad and she gives us that lift. You know, she's been the underdog. Nobody really has, has seen her on the world stage. Yeah. So she's going to want to get out there and to prove to everybody 
um, why she is one of the best players in the world. Could that be one of the reasons why perhaps she was intentionally targeted, do you think? Or am I reading too much into conspiracy theories? <laughs> you could probably say it like that, yeah. Um, I know, you know, if we're going to go down that route, um, you know, the Colombians and, and Nigerians are, are quite friendly. Um, so, you know, something could have went on behind the scenes that we don't know about, but uh, yeah, I'm just lucky, you know, that, that um, it's looking positive for her on Thursday. Right, and, you know, being from, from Cork as well, it's it's incredible what, what she's going to be able to achieve. OK, well, you enjoy every minute of what you're doing there. Best of luck with it. I hope we <laughs> might have an opportunity to catch up in the coming weeks. Who knows? But we shall see what happens. But for yes, now, Claire, course. thanks so much for taking the call. Mind yourself and enjoy every minute of it. Thanks a million. All the best. Thank you. Appreciate it. Claire Thanks Shine, who's doing RT Radio commentary. There should be more and more people getting behind it as it kicks off and as we get closer and closer. But I did hear that the Woolshed in the Mardike and Murphy's Rock, the bar, are hosting screenings and team sponsor Sky are also hosting watching parties at, at Mahan Point for the three first games. So uh, if anybody else is doing anything... Um, as we head into the Women's World Cup. Do let me know and we'll share all of the details and information. If anybody is having, um, you know, World Cup parties, I know that some of them will be, um, you know, maybe 11 o'clock in the morning, but what the heck, why not? Uh, go for it and get behind the girls in green. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. Beautiful city, my home by the Lee. We did very well internationally, actually, with regards to as cities go. I think we came in 25th uh, in regards to uh, best places to live in cities around the world. But you wouldn't have thought it if you were up around Barrick Street there on Friday evening. Thank you. A local got in touch with me over the weekend. Obviously, no details. Businesses on Barrick Street forced to close their doors on Friday evening. A violent showdown between a group of at least five approaching a lone man kicked off, says an emailer to me. The gang had all sorts, hammers, bars, you name it. Kids as long as, as young as 12 observing the altercation, terrified and crying. Something Neil needs to change and change fast. This isn't the first time something like this has happened here on Barrick Street. The irony is that the entire thing took place right outside a permanently closed Garda station on Barrick Street. Watch now and you'll get the usual texts about guard bashing. It's not those on the front line that are the problem. They're doing the best they can with the resources provided. Drew Harris and the government need to sort out the thin blue line and get more boots on our street, says a concerned listener. We contacted Garda Press with regards to this. I have seen the video footage of it over the weekend. Yes, there was all sorts of weaponry involved. There was uh, all sorts of hammers. At one stage, a bar fell to the ground and it clanked, proving to me that it was an iron bar. Quite lengthy, actually, a fairly long iron bar. Imagine if that came down on somebody's head, the kind of damage it was due. But there it was, nonetheless, and people videoing it. Um, so we got on to Garda Press and they said, Garda responded to reports of an alleged public order incident which occurred on Barrick Street 8pm on Friday evening. No arrests have been made. Inquiries are ongoing. Now, you know, could you imagine if you were out of a Friday evening and let's say it was a lovely evening to be out and you were having a cup of coffee in one of the lovely uh, coffee shops on Barrick Street or indeed one or two of the pubs there um, where you can sit outside and have a pint or you were walking home, or you were heading into town, socialising, or you're just out with friends. This is the kind of stuff that you see coming down the street against you. It just goes from bad to worse, doesn't it? Anyway, text 0868104106. And thank you to Jim, who got in touch with regards to the next television show that should be put together uh, with uh, regards to RTE. Um, 
It's far from dancing with the stars. It's like prancing with the stars. But he says, well, we watch the unfolding of the next episode at home with the RTE family and wonder what should be, uh, should we be asking, sorry, and wonder should we ask some of the badly unpaid staff, would they be interested in doing a goggle box program live as their bosses lie and refuse to answer questions that would incriminate them. I can tell you one thing, it would make for a great daytime television show. We've all seemed to forget that we are officially in a recession. Um, The recession is happening due to high rates of electricity, fuel, groceries and all other services. We have full levels of employment. It's at 96.5% of the workforce available for work. But we have a labour shortage. Despite the highest level of people migrating into Ireland, we have an increasing number of people now, the highest ever in the state's history, using our social welfare system, which is at breaking point. And none of that makes any sense to Jim. How can you have one and still have the other? He says, while we're all up in arms about paying our television licence, which is under €200 a year, most of the working people are struggling to pay their mortgages as they've risen, on average, 200 to 400 euro per month over the last year and a half. This is a bigger threat to the Irish working people than something like a television license. You will notice a lot more homes for sale around you or for sale signs. This is because of the increase in interest rates. Some of these families that are selling up will probably never own a home again and will even either rent move back in with their parents or leave the country. I think that's a very interesting one because I do see a lot more for sale signs and you wonder what the story is behind the for sale sign. Is it somebody who is a speculator and is selling for profit? profit, Or is it somebody who took a punt and got a mortgage and just got drowned in mortgage repayments? Anyway, Jim says, taxing the working to death is the biggest problem facing the working class. You get up in the morning, you put on the lights at home, you make breakfast and you're taxed for it. You jump into your car and you drive to work. You fill up with fuel and you're taxed for this. You stop to pick up a cup of coffee. You're taxed and you're green taxed. You do your day's work and over 40% of it is taxed. And don't try to do overtime because that could be 60%. If you get a bonus, it's 50% taxed. And the other 50% goes to the government. Uh, And I haven't even started to get home yet. You're right. um, You're pay would be 40% or your bonus would be 50%, your overtime and everything and what you're left with then is taxed in lots of other different ways. But coming back to one of the points he made with regards to a possible television show for RTE, I know I've said it many times you couldn't make this up, but it's just breaking on independent.ie this morning, that RTE spent €26,000 on two nights in a hotel for six people at the Champions League final in uh, Madrid. So let me just say that again. They spent €26,000 for two nights in a hotel for six people. That worked out at €2,214 a night per person. If you check the same hotel, they are currently charging €200 a night. So how did it go from €400 a night to €2,200 a night? I mean, what in the name of God did they spend the 26000 on? It could hardly have just been two nights bed and breakfast. Now... Show, Red FM. And it's Monday, so we have the Monday Munchies again for you, courtesy of ourselves and Offbeat Donuts. If you and your work crew, your colleagues, your chums, your pals would like a Monday pick-me-up, you could get up to five boxes of donuts. That's like 60 donuts, depending how many of you are in the 
in the workplace delivered by Red Patrollers this lunchtime courtesy of ourselves and offbeat donuts on French Church Street. So, all you got to do is text who you are, where you are, and most importantly, well, equally importantly, why you deserve this Monday pick-me-up to head up the week um, with uh, a positive sugar rush. Want of a better way of putting it. So text 0868 104 106 and we'll do the shout outs on that in about a half an hour's time and pick a winner around about a quarter to midday. I'll come back to text in a few minutes' time, but one of the hot ticket items at the moment is uh, European weather um, and it's making all of the front pages today. The sun says Europe's hottest day ever. The Independent is saying that Irish people are holding off on last minute holiday deals because the heat is too hot to handle. It's leading to wild fires on the Canary Islands apparently it's causing chaos an awful lot of people had to be moved from their homes Europe's Europe's heat alert and primarily although not exclusively Spain Italy and Greece uh, where European temperatures are now coming in at about 40 degrees or higher in fact uh, if you look at some of the papers this morning they're saying uh, Europe's highest recorded temperature of nearly 49 degrees Celsius was registered in Sicily two years ago and that will be exceeded in the coming days in places like Sicily and Sardinia. So what's going on? Alan O'Reilly joins me from Carlo Weather. Alan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Is this exceptional um, or uh, are we just better at reporting it or are these the summers to come? Well, it is exceptional in terms of the heat wave. It's certainly not a normal heat wave. Um, I think really what we're seeing is heat waves with an added you know, dimension in terms of maybe 10 to 15% extra on top of what they normally would be. So, you know, you will get people saying, oh, I was in Italy in the 80s or the 90s, I got over 40 degrees. And they'll be right, it did. But the problem here is the intensity and, you know, it's, it's like... The yeah, could you just try and move around a small bit there, Alan, and maybe the high-pressure areas affecting the telephone signal, I don't know, it's just breaking up a bit. Any better? Sorry, can you hear me okay? That, that's better. Actually, just on that point, I did get a text like that saying, this is nothing new. I worked in Australia in 2007 and it was 52 degrees regularly. So do you know that kind of way? Yeah, and look, we will have seen temperatures over 40 degrees in, in Italy and Spain. You know, that, that's not unusual. But we're going to get close to 48 degrees in Sardinia. You know, temperatures have been over 40 degrees in many parts of Spain, in the, in the, in the middle of kind of inland Spain, you know, Turkey, Greece, it is unusual. And it's unusual in terms of its longevity as well. And there's very little respite at night time. Um, so you're looking at temperatures, you know, drop, not dropping below 25 degrees in some areas or even higher of lows. So, you know, these these type of events are, are not that common. Um, and as I say, you're probably talking about 10% extra, which doesn't sound like a lot, but 10% on top of 44 degrees you know, every degree makes a huge difference to the impact in terms of, you know, people being able to cool themselves and survive. And is that 10% or, or whatever the figure might be, is that climate change? Yes, it is climate change. Now, people can, can argue with the causes and you know of climate change, but we are seeing, you know, definitely over the last couple of years, a real uplift in, in the, the average temperature. Obviously, people in Ireland will, will kind of, you know, again, lots of people laughing about climate change because we're not seeing anything near our normal temperatures, never mind above temperatures. But, but what I'm trying to explain to people is, is that there's always been weather extremes and there will always be weather extremes. The problem is, is they're becoming more extreme. Yeah. And that's the same with the rainfall that we're seeing in terms of the flash flooding. Um, you know, so we're, we're, we're experiencing extremes in weather events that have always happened, but are just that little bit more extreme.
And are they destined to become more and more extreme? Well, that's the part that we don't really know. You know, most of the modelling on this is very kind of relatively new, really, you know, given, you know, time of science. And, you know, we don't have enough data really to be able to say where, where it's going to end. Um, like, for example, a lot of people said we were going to have more active storms. We didn't have a single named storm this season. You know, we didn't have a single storm that was named. Obviously, we had bad weather. So, you know, weather and climate are not as closely attached to each other as people might think. Climate will impact weather events like this extreme weather, but it doesn't mean that we're going to get much hotter summers uh, all of the time. Mm. It doesn't mean that we're going to get much, you know, more extreme rainfall all the time. It just means that when we do have weather events, they are more extreme. But is it, is it true that in the places like Italy, Greece, Spain, the Balearics, the Italian islands, that they're warning people to expect 50 degrees Celsius for the coming days? I mean, you've got people evacuated from their homes on La Palma, for instance, and um, you know, they're closing the Acropolis to tourists. Uh, is, is that the norm? No, that's what I'm saying. More extreme. So what we're seeing is definitely more extreme heat waves. And, you know, 50 degrees hasn't been reached in Europe. It's probably going to happen, if not this year, in the next couple of years. Um, but 48 degrees is not something like, I don't know how many of your listeners have experienced more than 40 degrees you know, it's not pleasant. And once you get into the 45, 46, 47, get up towards 50, it's really not, um, you know, something that... And, and, and it's different when you're younger, maybe, and you can kind of take for granted the fact that you can, you know, move around and get into air conditioning. You know, and to be fair, some of these European cities have got better over the years. have learned from previous kind of huge number of deaths that they will have sports hall air conditioning that people can go to, you know, to cool off. Maybe people that don't have air conditioning in a home. Yeah. But... Very sadly, Neil, often after these events, it takes days or weeks and they find elderly people who have died in their home because they simply couldn't, couldn't you know, cool themselves down. Yeah, so it, 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 it's a tricky one because, you know, you have people laughing about the heat and then we're in the cold and the wet. But it, it is a serious event for those people who are not able to, to kind of look after themselves. I say a lot of people have been. I mean, I know, for instance, just off the top of my head that, you know, 28 years ago, 29 years ago, I was in Turkey and uh, it was at least 44, 45 degrees one day. It was absolutely scorching, like raging hot. But there was no big deal made out of it at the time, you know. Yeah, and as I say, the problem is you're adding another bit on top of those extremes. That's yeah. the problem. Okay. Okay. And, okay. And, and the fact that it's going on for days, like it's going to peak really in parts of Italy in the next couple of days, and it's going to stay there until the weekend, really. It's only going to slowly ease off next week. Would it be fair now to turn towards our own climbs as to whether or not we're going to get back to the gorgeous weather we had three or four weeks ago anytime soon? Unfortunately, not for the next 10 days. It doesn't look like it. Um, we have low pressure systems that just keep barreling our way. And that's part of the reason why the high pressure is sitting down over south of Spain and north of Africa. But we have very heavy rain coming in again tonight, over 20 to 30 millimetres of rain for parts of Cork, Kerry and Waterford. Very wet early tomorrow. However, there will be less showers. <laughs> it's about as good news as it gets, Neil. Less showers Wednesday, Thursday and early Friday. So if you're holidaying you know, in Ireland, down in West Cork or Cork, uh, Wednesday and Thursday and early Friday, we will have a bit of a respite, but more rain moving in again Friday afternoon, and the weekend is once again looking unsettled. Um, so I'm afraid no real sign of any good weather coming in our up to the end of probably the month. But, but August is still the meteorological season of summer, whole other month of summer to come. So we'll have the to be optimistic August. for August, are you, Alan? 
I am optimistic that things will change. Yeah, I am. And and sure, back to school weather. You don't need me to tell you what back to school weather is. I know, I know. All right, um, we'll hold you to that for August then, all right? <laughs> no hassle, no hassle. Take care, my friend. Alan O'Reilly from Carla Weather. And he is right. Car- Cork safety alerts have just issued what is an accurate uh, rainfall warning, which comes into effect from 8pm this evening. It actually lasts until 3pm tomorrow, but the big downpours will be overnight. Small little back off for maybe an hour tomorrow morning and back then for three or four hours across tomorrow morning of fairly, fairly heavy rain. They're giving it a yellow uh, warning. We're talking about a big amount of rainfall uh, for Cork, particularly overnight and indeed um, across much of tomorrow morning. So be aware of that. And more on holiday stories after these. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. Oh yeah, the cost of everything. It's great to get examples of this, simple examples. Texter says 10 kg of new spuds, 28 euro uh, to be bought. Um, but this is actually uh, in a butcher shop that also sells new spuds. 10 kgs of new spuds, 28 euro, a 5 kg bag, 14 euro. Does anybody think this is expensive? Expensive? I have resorted to getting my spuds now direct from the farm in Ballycotton where I pay 7 euro for a 14 kg bag as opposed to 14 euro in the butcher shop. Um, new spuds are usually more expensive and uh, because they're in less supply and they're also delicious. Uh, but I think that that kind of difference is just another example of, you know, uh, price gouging. Um, Brad, P- Brad Pitt, well, he was at Wimbledon at the weekend. Brad looks 10 years younger since he broke loose from Angelina. That's the reason why he looks so well. Thank you for that. Um, Neighbours from hell beat this. Yesterday, 8am, there was a kid's bouncy castle with screaming kids and a motor blowing air in East Cork. They were up in it early at 8 o'clock in the morning. Try living in Killarney. At 8 o'clock every morning, the street cleaners are out with the leaf blowers. Um, I think some parts of America, there are rules and laws against the hours that you can use leaf blowers because they have an incredibly piercing sound. How about a former neighbour putting on an extension to their house and having a cement mixer rattling at 7am on a Sunday morning? Needless to say, they couldn't care less about anyone around them. And a final one on this for now. I've been waking up every morning at 7am for the last three weeks by workmen starting early next door doing up the back garden. They're taking long enough in it, aren't they? If they're three weeks in, unless the garden was in an unmerciful state. All of this started actually as to uh, whether or not you have issues with uh, maybe people uh, firing up the lawnmower at eight or nine o'clock of a Sunday morning and you just trying to have a lion. With regards to the tennis that I spoke about earlier this morning, Noel says, up until yesterday, I was a fan of Novak Djokovic, but not anymore. I hear you have no mention of him smashing his racket off the net beam. Yeah, the the poles, the big wooden poles that support the net. Uh, And no mention of a kid's role model behaving like an absolute scumbag. Why haven't you mentioned this? This man has over 20 grand slams and he still did this. Such aggressive and violent behaviour in front of tens of millions of people, many of them children. Then after the match, he arrogantly threw his smashed racket, and boy was it smashed, into the fans. If he threw it at me, I'd fire it back at him, the thug. 
shameful behaviour and the fact that there is no mention of it in the news is what is so bizarre, says Noel. It's not the first time anybody has smashed a racket on court. It was fairly unheard of years ago, but it's becoming all too commonplace now, unfortunately. It's the first time I saw anybody smash a racket off the net post, which is a fair big chunk of timber, and he actually damaged it. And, of course, he got a code violation for that and also got a code violation for, um, uh, you know, uh, being too slow on the serve. But you are right. Um, I understand that players can get very, very frustrated, but that's certainly... I mean, you've, you've seen in the past, actually, tennis players firing and hitting balls and hitting either uh, ball boys or ball girls or, indeed, uh, you know, people call on the lines. And, indeed, uh, Djokovic was kicked out of uh, the US Open for that, actually couple of years ago so still some anger management problems there can you please give a shout out to my mother Coletta Driscoll in the Glen she listens to you every day and I love her so much and that's from her daughter Sinead thank you it would mean a lot it's just a shout out it's not a birthday or anything just hi to Coletta Driscoll in the Glen uh, very sad then regarding Deepa's death the question needs to be asked though when will we link recent murders on Side to the levels of uncontrolled immigration this is another murder involving a migrant that shouldn't be on the Irish books, says Derek. We just checked that, actually, because the Guardi recently released a statement saying that there's been no significant significant increase, increase in crime statistics as a result of the increase in asylum seekers arriving in Ireland. The Department of Justice also said there is no evidence of a link between the number of asylum seekers in Ireland and an increase in crime. Um, that's and, and that's the official statistic on it. Although, you know, being on air as long as I have, and certainly in the last maybe five to ten years, I cover the courts an awful lot, and, and I am seeing an awful lot more court reports than people who don't have, the, say, for instance, the name Murphy or O'Driscoll or, you know, um, you know Hurley or things like that. There would be people from overseas who are before the courts. Now, whether or not there's been a, um, a significant jump in criminality versus the amount of people who have come to live in Ireland, I can't say. I think there is some information that drills into serious crime in Ireland. Um, and I think that they honed in in the research to two particular areas. One is rape and the other is murder. And they catalogue it then um, and they break the numbers down versus the amount of people from overseas who have come here committed crimes like that versus the amount of them that are represented in the population. So if I can get those statistics, I know I dealt with it on air uh, some months back, I can get that uh, information for you again. But anyway, text 0868104106, pick up the phone on 0818104106. I just want to go back to a story from earlier on this morning. Because I read in the, the actual numbers of the people who are going to Yall Greyhound Track, you wonder why it's open at all. If you look at 31 meets during the first four months of this year and you subtract trainers and bookmakers and dogs, the amount of people that actually went to the meet worked out at three people per Greyhound meeting, as in three fans per Greyhound meeting. Extraordinarily, this same Greyhound Track, um, and I'm sure they're entitled to it, got €763,000 in funding in the last three years. And in April, it was just days away from closure. It's a story that makes this morning's examiner. Katie Corcoran joins me by phone from Greyhound Awareness Cork. Morning, Katie. Good morning, Neil. How are you today? Good. What what do these figures of fans, three per meet, tell us? Well, what I can say is that um, a number of years ago, pre-COVID, we held uh, protests outside the old Greyhound track. Now, it was the middle of summer... Um, the, it was free entry for anyone to go into the track and there was only barely a handful of people passing us in to go into the track. So this this track really isn't about 
um, you know, the, the local uh, people, or it's not about the local economy, really. Um, What's it about, both, then? Is it about okay, the betting? So, as you can see um, from um, from the from the, the very good article um, by the Irish Examiner, Keenan Brennan, um, the the both nights of um, of Yall Track are actually being recorded and they're played for bookies, um, a UK-based bookie called SIS. So it's not about greyhound racing; it's about gambling. It's about providing a product for UK bookies. So the the um, the benefit. Of all this money, of the seven hundred sixty-three thousand, is not really for y'all. It's, it's for, for a UK-based bookie, so they can have, so they can, um, they can have uh, take uh, okay. g- gambles. But it on, is, o- but it is open to the public and people yes. who like to go to Greyhound track meets could go if they wish, but That's only three. Quite, yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Now, um, as as it says in the article, um, you know, because one of the excuses given for the very low attendance is that uh, of the timing but like it's after 6pm so I mean quite a lot of, of events happen after that because in, in tracks like I think Watford it's 8am Greyhound Racing is also for gambling so there is no excuse for people not to go in there and actually when you think about it um, this you know 763,000 euros in the last three years I mean there's groups like RNLI in, in Yall I mean, I mean, can you imagine how much money or what, what they could do with that kind of money? And is it, do we and know, even, is this national lottery funding? It's obviously state funding, no, is it? No, it's state funding. Um, it is, uh, last year, I think about almost 19 million euros was given from the Department of Agriculture to Greyhound Racing Ireland. And actually, interestingly, um, there was a, a Endicon report that was commissioned by Greyhound Racing Ireland, and they suggested closing the all track. But and, and as as we are aware, a letter went from Greyhound Racing Ireland to the lease the leases, uh, the leaser, and they said they weren't interested in leasing anymore. Right. But at the very last minute, there was some political um, action because we saw a dog question from a local politician to the Department of Agriculture, um, to the Minister for Agriculture, and, and so they decided. Was this a question from James O'Connor, the East Cork yes. TD, to the Minister? Yes. Um, uh, say, saying what? Um, he said, "Well, you know, we, we're we're being told that that the track has been closed, and actually, we were aware that um, you know all the trainers had had taken their racing cards home. So, as far as they're concerned, the track was closed. But at the very last minute, um, uh, a deal was done, even though apparently Greyhound Racing Ireland weren't really interested in, in reopening the track. Okay. So okay. we have to wonder, well, who was the driving force? Like, was this?" You know, copper fastening someone's seat. Um, you know, somebody's. You know, um, votes. You know, it's not. It's really difficult to understand why. But when you think about if the track had closed, what could have been done with the with the land? Because we know that your tra- uh, sorry, um, Longford track shot a number of years ago and is now a public amenity what? and the skate park. So. Yeah, yeah. What would the numbers be like, say, for the Greyhound track in Corraheen? Uh, are they dwindling or is it thriving? Do it's, Do you know? I, I don't actually know. I, I don't have the figures in front of me now. I believe it's not thriving. I don't think any of the Greyhound tracks are thriving. Perhaps um, most of them actually don't seem to be, you know, in, in profit. Um, you know, there seems to be issues with, with money. I mean, we know that one of the board members, um, I, I don't want to even name names. No, I, I, won't even, I, won't even, I won't okay. even go into that area, okay. if you don't mind, with the board of okay. anybody involved in greyhound racing in Ireland okay. because I wouldn't have the information to stack it up. But okay. So what we're learning is that the track is open and operating because yes. it records or it broadcasts the meets live 
to a UK satellite broadcaster, Sports Information Services. Yes. And that's the only reason, because that there are no fans easy. going. Exactly. So the state um, and the taxpayer is paying to provide a service to a satellite broadcasting sports company for betting. Well, there's not only that, but also the 19 million euros is used to breed greyhounds. Um, and like 83% of the greyhounds racing in the UK are Irish born. And they are racing over there for, for, um, for bookies. So not just this money, but the vast majority of the money of the 19 million euros goes to breeding greyhounds to export to the UK for gambling companies. So it doesn't seem to be you know, very good use of our, our money. And also apparently this weekend, the Greens adopted an official policy, the Green Party, um, and for an urgent and comprehensive review of the model underpinning the public funding of greyhound racing right. industry. Yeah. And we're calling on the Greens to act on that. As in, because don't be was, giving taxpayers money to the greyhound industry, is it? Well, it's, well, ideally, yes, yeah. because I mean, okay. I don't see why... Why? Is why it cruel? Is it cruel? Okay, well, so in the all track alone, in the last, um, since 2015, 51 greyhounds died. Um, and in t- um, 2022, there were 16 deaths. And now, if you compare that to pre-COVID, there were six deaths. So, so why in also, 2022 did, when you say 16 greyhounds 16 died, on died. the track or what? Yes, on the track. This is, this is information that Why we, are they dying? Um, well, because, okay, so greyhound racing is actually quite cruel, um, apart from, from other reasons. But, but what actually happens is that the greyhounds, six greyhounds are, allow, are, are released from the traps and they are going um, uh, racing in a circle. So they bunch up on the first bend. And there is a saying in the greyhound industry, the first bend is often the last because they're, they're traveling at great speeds. They're actually very fragile animals. If you've ever met a greyhound, they're very slim you know, they're not like having a husky running which, um, because they're, they're very fragile. Yeah. So if they, if they bump at all at you know, high speeds, they will go flying, break a leg. Um, they're, you know, it's, they're, uh, they're actually very fragile animals. Okay, so, so when a leg is broken, say for instance, yeah. typically on that first bend, what then yeah. happens with the dog? It depends, um, but it, so it's not always just a leg break. Sometimes they can break their back, they can break the spine, they can hit, the, they can be like, ja- uh, you know, rammed into the into the, the rail. They can just get injured, they can drop dead. Um, so it, there's quite a number of different reasons. Now, apparently, Greyhound Racing Ireland has a scheme where they provide money to the breeders or to the, the Greyhound trainer for repairing a broken leg, um, which that sometimes that works. Now, previously, they had a rule that if, if, if that money was accepted, that they weren't allowed to breed the dog and then they changed that rule. So now they're allowed to breed the dog. Um, so but say in the case dog. where a dog breaks a leg, yeah. Um, yeah. Th- they clearly won't die from that. Um, are, no. they, are they usually nurtured back to health or are they put down? It depends on the greyhound trainer. I mean, if this is a dog that somebody has paid like uh, maybe 150 euros for, are they going to spend time and like, a lot of money to get that dog back into health and then like rehome it to a rescue or something like that. So it, you see that the problem is that these dogs are really just gambling chips. And you know, the, the, mm. for, for, um, for gambling, you know, you don't need fast dogs, you just need six dogs that will chase a lure. So they're not, yeah, they're yeah. not um, considered, you know, very valuable dogs. 
But, I, mean, I said we'd be having an entirely different conversation if people were hidden in their droves through the tar- turnstiles of an evening, but they're not. They're not. And, and also, I, I think the last time I was speaking to you was just after that RT investigates Greyhounds running for their lights programme. Mm. And I think that really shone a very bright light on the industry and showed what's happening. Um, you know, for example, um, you know, according to one of the dog questions we asked about, what, you know, you know that they do drug testing at Greyhound track sometimes. And we asked, well, for your track, what rate is of the drug test testing? And apparently at one stage, two out of 100 dogs were drug tested. Two? So two out of 100, it, was, it went down below 2%. So you'd be raising questions as to how fair the races are in the first place? Well, you'd, you'd wonder, you know, why, you know, it's, it's kind of challenging for a bookie to... You know, to to you know, if, if they're not sure exactly what's happening, because mm. we know that there was a. Oh, but you wouldn't have much sympathy for the bookies now, I'd say. Uh, no, I wouldn't. But I'm wondering why are they paying? Why are they actually um, having greyhound racing if they're? Okay. You know, if it's, okay. If it's not, are there just finally? Are there, are, are there still? Are there still ongoing protests outside greyhound tracks like there was some years ago? Well, I know that there is in in Shelburne. I know that there are a few different tracks. There is still greyhound racing, or outside the greyhound racing tracks, there still are protests. Mm. But um, you know, there's there's another issue with the CEO of greyhound racing. You know, again, again I'm I'm not in okay, a position yeah. now to pers- okay. personalise anything off the oh, hoof. No, I'm not going to mention it. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But yeah. they don't have one at the moment. Okay, okay, okay. Um, okay. So okay. would you would you and others like you be calling for um, um, what the closure of the all track or the closure, I suppose, of all tracks, right? Well, well, um, what what. Um, groups like Greyhound or um, like Dogs Trust and um, and like RSPC and ISPC, they're calling, and we are calling for a phase ban on Greyhound racing because of all the issues involved. A ban so on Greyhound racing. A ban in Ireland on Greyhound, okay. on Greyhound racing. Okay. That's Thank the bottom line. Okay. Thank you, Katie. Much obliged to you. Text 0868104106. Katie Corcoran from Greyhound Awareness. Uh, Cork, let me just um, just quick call on this because Susan's got in touch from Rebel Greyhound Awareness. Susan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How That's, are you? You're, you're answering a question that I... Well, thank you. You're answering a question I asked of Katie. Are there still ongoing protests at Corraheen Track? There are, and we've been there since 2016, bar from when the lockdowns were on. Uh, we go out every fortnight. We were there again uh, this Saturday, just past. And thankfully, I can honestly say numbers going in there are dwindling, and dwindling fast. Um, Why? Like, I think people, hopefully I think the message is getting out there. I foster greyhounds and lurchers. Um, plenty of them come with broken legs. Thankfully, that some of the trainers have said she's no good to us now or he's no good to us now, broken leg. But they bring them to the vets to be euthanized and then the vets then get in touch with the rescues and say, look, we have one here. Can you take... The rescue will take on board the dog. The legs are amputated and then the dogs come to foster homes. The dog where breaks we... its leg. Is that all you can do with it? Amputated? No, I mean, they'll do anything at all to save it, the leg. But it could I mean, lead to, yeah. yeah. It could lead to. Um, they'll put pins in. I've known plenty of dogs that have had surgeries up to, you know, 2,000, two and a half. The work has been put in there by fantastic vets but, and they have managed but, to save them. But who, who pays you know? the vet the two, two and a half grand? Uh, the charities do. The rescues do. 
and the volunteers and the lovely people of Cork and Ireland. That so the owner, the, so the owner of the trainer says, I've no more use for this dog. It's broken its leg. Would you please put it down? Um, yeah. Vets no, they bring it to the vet to be euthanized in a, you know, in a calm matter in the sense of, you know, you know, before there was this thing called the bolt, which was in a horrendous, medieval way of putting a dog to sleep. Um, but lately, they are going and the more to the bolt was what? Like some way you stun like a cow this, or something? A contraption that, would, you know, somebody would hold the head of the dog and the other person then would pull back this metallic salt and it would like pop, pop into the centre of their skull. But it didn't always kill them. It would stun them until they were done. It's like the way they stun cattle that way, I believe. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Um, now, I volunteer with rescues, and I can hang on heart tell you the amount of lists that are of greyhounds that are on the put to sleep list. Some trainers, not all now, not all, I, ha- I will say that, but some trainers will ring the rescues and say, look, the dog, you know, hurt its hock, it's no good to me no more. Um, can you take the dog? The rescues will say, well, look, we've a waiting list of four to five weeks. We've nowhere to put the dog, dog as of yet. Just give us some time. We'll try and find a foster home or even kennel space. You know, if the dog is not injured, then it can go into kennel space. But they'll say, okay, okay, but look, uh, I'll give you a week. If not, anyway, I'll bring it to the vet to put to sleep. And that's it. These dogs literally have nooses around their necks. It's it, like they're on a time limit, you know, because some of the trainers don't want to keep feeding a dog that's injured and is of no use to them. Mm. They're not going to make money from it. Mm. Having said that, as I said, the protests are ongoing every fortnight. We were there again all that Saturday. One thing I have to say, though, that the got abuse. What? Yes, the abuse, uh, the abuse you take. You know? But I remember dealing with this a few years back and there was a you bit did. of, there was argy yeah. bargy on both sides, wasn't there? No, that was, there was, unfortunately, there was some, pro, never in Cork, thank God, never in Cork. In fairness, we've been lucky, it's all been peaceful. We had argy-bargy from them about, for about a month after uh, the programme went out on RTE, investigate, running for their lives. Now, the argy-bargy we got was just a case that, that we've always stood out there since 2016, peacefully. Tell me about the abuse to nobody. Uh, that now was going back after the TV show. And I would say the majority of the trainers came out and stood across from us. Now, we don't go at the entrance to Curraheen. We go as you drive in, just before you take the bend to the left into. We don't go on their premises. We go on the drive-in, where it's safer. And who are you getting abuse from? We get abuse from trainers and from people. Not Not so much people going in there to have a night out, because they don't. They keep the heads down. But we get abuse from trainers going in. And the names they call us, you, it's disgusting. You'll get them dropping their trousers, sticking their butts out the windows at us, calling us horrendous names. We stand there. We say nothing. We smile amongst ourselves and we hold our placards and we have our dogs with us. Do you film you know, them? Pardon? Do you film no, them? No, we don't. Okay. No. There's, okay. there's no boy. There's nothing you can do with that. You know, I mean, it's, it's abuse from somebody that's going through on a car. Uh, what are you going to do? The best thing really is with everything is just ignore them. Okay. Ignore them. And do you think you're having oh, an impact? I mean, I remember years ago, say for instance, going to Curraheen Park was a big, a lot of businesses paid for yes. their staff to go. It was a big corporate thing. You know, you'd have a dozen or two dozen or maybe a company might take a few tables and have dinner and, they would. and drink and yeah. what have you. Is, is that dying off? 
it is dying off. A hundred percent it's dying off. And another good thing as well is um, lots of people that used to go to the um, Irish Tour Round, to Irish Tourist Board, now to what's a good place to go, and they used to recommend it. Even that has slackened off. You know, companies have stopped, hotels have stopped giving out uh, freebies to go mm. there because they've realised, especially after the programme, I, I recommend anybody watch it again. Okay. There's only 2019, RT investigates running but for trainer, their life. But trainers say that the dogs enjoy the training, uh, well, look, the racing I'll, and everything involved in it. Training for a dog is getting out of its kennel for an hour or so a day and the rest of the time it's back in its kennel. Because at the end of the day, they don't want their dogs hurt either. They want the dogs to make money for them. Or if the dog, if it's a female and she gets hurt, they can still breed from her. And with a male as well, you know, they can still use it as a stud. So are you making the claim that this is not about the love of greyhound racing? It's about the love of money and gambling? it's the love of a few bob. And to be honest, there's not even big money in it. It's not like it's horse racing, you know. It's... I mean, the amount of dogs that are cute on waiting lists at the moment all over Ireland and in England as well, a lot, so many, hundreds and hundreds of Irish dogs are in the UK and they're waiting for a rescue spot because they'll get to two, two and a half years of age and then they're no good. But are you, because, you, know, are you they're, equally they're as incensed by hair coursing or indeed the likes of the Grand oh, National God, yeah. when horses die? The Grand National, there is one thing about me people often say you feel the same about horses. In one sense, not as much. And the reason I say that is because with horses, they're running in a straight line. With the one thing with the Grand National, though, the Grand National should be either stopped or less fences, way less fences, because horses love to run, dogs love to run, greyhounds love to run. But make it a fair, at least if it's going to go ahead, keep going, make it fairer on the animal to survive. A, and to, have a, a to be in a straight line, you think, is it? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Okay. These curves, with greyhound racing, when they go around that curve, they're going at such speed, they don't have great brakes. So at the speed, if one greyhound tips off another, you probably have not watched it. I've watched it numerous of times. The videos are there on YouTube. They will fall over. They'll bash into the board. They'll break their necks. They'll break their legs. They'll hurt each other. They're on the ground. And you'll never see this with the cameras. You'll see all the, the, the helpers, you know, jump on then and drag the injured greyhound off the track, mm. off camera. Mm. Nobody sees that, okay. you know. Okay. Um, well, you I conti- think it's, it's a her- Okay, you, uh, continue, you continue to protest at Curraheen every fortnight. Yeah. Were the guards ever called? No, never. Okay. Because the guards... The guards know we're peaceful. Yeah. Like we don't, we don't give it back. There's no point. And as well as that, they're flying past in cars. What's the point? You know, like by the they showed us up at you. You're just going whatever. Yeah, yeah. but you you know, know, so there's no intimidation on your behalf. You're saying, and, no, you, and you, you don't no. interact with people who'd be going in as customers. No, no. okay, no, no, okay. no, no, okay. never, never. Okay, okay. thank okay. you, Susan. Take care. Much <laughs> obliged. That's Take Susan care. from Rebel Greyhound Awareness. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Interesting text from a greyhound family that says, we are a greyhound family and I'm sick of people bashing the greyhound industry. Not everyone involved are horrible people. My father's details, because he owns dogs, were shared all over Facebook a few years ago and his mobile number as well. We received death threats and two men actually came to our front door regarding our ownership of dogs. This was the people who are protesting, I can tell you. Uh, We had to get the guards called to our house due to the threats we received. 
We have the dogs in our family for years. We love and adore animals and have never done anything cruel to our dogs. You never hear of those stories. Thank you for that. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Oh, incidentally, it's Monday Munchies as well. Uh, all morning, so I'll be picking a winner in about an hour's time. Your opportunity to get boxes of donuts delivered, courtesy of ourselves, and offbeat donuts on French Church Street. So it's a random selection of donuts. There could be up to 60 of them. If you've got a big company, it's up to five boxes of donuts. The red velvet, the toffee, toffee crisp, the classic glaze, the salted caramel pecan, uh, the peanut buttercup and the toffee crisp. That sounds interesting, doesn't it? A toffee crisp, a toffee crisp donut. But anyway, you've got to text us who you are and where you are and why you deserve this Monday morning pick-me-up to set you up for the week. Text 0868104106. We would love offbeat donuts today. We're busy bunnies in Suite 24 of the Cork Clinic. We need some joy in our lives on this Monday, says Lisa, Veronica and Emer. And of course, we would share it with our colleagues in the other suites here as well at the Cork Clinic. We'd love donuts after a busy weekend of birthday parties at Eco Poishti Crafts in the Kilkenny Shop in Shanagari. Uh, shipping Solutions. Andre and the hard-working staff could do it a lift to get them over the Monday blues and the Monday munchies would do the trick. And another few for you, the working, the hard-working crew at Jensen and Jensen uh, and everybody at GE Healthcare. Morning, Tony. Just back to work after the holidays and could do with a treat at lunchtime. Um, a Monday pick-me-up for Lipton Soft Drinks Ireland in Carrigaline. One of the girls in the office had her car stolen and burnt out at the weekend. Not another one. And it would cheer her up on this Monday morning. So sorry to hear that. Karen and all the colleagues at the pharmacy department in the South Infirmary would love a sugar boost. Milk Laboratory in Dairy Gold Mallow. As a thank you to everyone for all they've done for my daughter while she was on work placement. Well, it's so nice of you to reach out and say thank you to them. Chris and the gang at Crazy Monkey Skate Repair Shop in Church Road in Douglas. But only if you have banana flavoured donuts. I'm sure that could be arranged. My team in air in Churchfield, uh, my team work in the debt collection department, which is a particularly difficult job during this cost of living crisis because we're dealing with customers in financial difficulty. So the staff could do with the pick-me-ups, says Jonathan. And a final one for now, for the customer services ladies at Maham Point. They're in bad need of a sugar rush. Uh, offbeat donuts are lush and put a smile on our faces as life has not been easy for us lately. So that's a selection of shout-outs. We'll do one more bunch of shout-outs. So text who you are and where you are, and most importantly, why you deserve this Monday morning pick-me-up, courtesy of ourselves and uh, Offbeat Donuts, French Church Street. Um, and we'll organise it then. Depending on the size of the business, we will get you upwards of um, six boxes, which five boxes, which is about... 60 donuts. We got texts on the way uh, and after 11 lots more calls. I hope to go back also to um, issues overseas with regards to people on their halls or indeed trying to navigate through these horrendous temperatures. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 104 106 Red FM. It's indeed. You can text 0868-104-106 and people are on all sorts of different topics of late. Uh, morning, a Ukrainian couple collected their pension last week ahead of me in a post office. They had a translator with them and they collected 508 euro for that week alone, which comes in at 2,032 euro a month. The man behind the counter asked a question, how much is the pension in Ukraine? 
The reply was €70 euro a month. They also received accommodation here, but they pay €10 euro each a day for food now. Uh, that is €560 euro a month for their food. Uh, but they also receive free medical care, free travel so they can meet up with their friends, free English classes, and the list goes on. I was sorry to hear about those kids on the air looking for food at penny dinners. Uh, that's tough going. Uh, there's more to come and we don't know where they're all coming from or whether or not they have a criminal record. Uh, can't come America because I'm working hard so this mighty state can keep this whole mess going. But for how long will it go on? Thanks for highlighting these stories. Yes, and that's following up on then on people talking this morning. I can't say much about it, about the murder and the death of a, a mother in um, in uh, Bishopstown because it, it, it's now been be, before the courts. But the question being asked... Are we seeing more and more deaths like this because we have an open-door policy when it comes to migration? Well, thank you for those texts, and I will come back to them. Also, um, many people are... I see a text this morning saying, you know, with regards to money to the greyhound industry and what have you, and only three people going to an actual greyhound meet in Yall. It's a bit like the cloak and dagger behaviour, say, regarding Cork City Council and the Freemasons. Like somebody suggested, if it was penny dinners or anyone else requesting land, you can be damn sure it was re- it would be refused, but not if it's the Freemasons. Um, were the councillors obliged, Neil, to state their membership status of the Freemasons for fear of any conflict of interest when voting when City Council gave them the piece of land at Bishop Lucy Park? I don't know if you were listening at the time, but I did, I did ask that question as to whether um, councillors who were voting on it, the male councillors, uh, because females can't join the Freemasons, would have divulged whether or not they were members. And I couldn't get a straight answer to it. What about women-only gyms? As a male, can I join a women's-only gym? You also have car insurance just for women. They won't be happy until they take over everything. Soon there will be no refuge at all for men to get some free space from them. That's in somebody there who's got a point uh, along the lines of, um, it's fine, Uh, let the Freemasons be just for men because men need a place of refuge. Do the Freemasons allow trans men to join? I don't know. I can find out for you. It's funny that they give away land so fast to such a sexist organisation. But Balancholic Soccer Club is still waiting on their deeds. And Balancholic Soccer Club caters for both girls and boys from kids to adults. Get Balancholic Soccer Club their deeds. Uh, Don't you think that the Freemasons, Neil, is the Irish Republican version of the Orange Order? Uh, says Desi. Actually, you know, you talk about republicanism, and I'll come back to more of those texts after 11 o'clock. I was, some years back, I, I went up to Kilmainham Jail because I was keen to see, um, you know, um, that, that part of our history that has been preserved in Kilmainham Jail. I was back in Dublin at the weekend because I took my wife and my son and my daughter. We all went up by, by train. Um, can I just mention, actually, with regards to the journey going up by train, it was very sad because on Saturday morning, um, many of the train services going to and from Dublin uh, were disrupted because, sadly, uh, there was um, a tragic incident on the tracks. You, you'll know what I mean when I say a tragic incident on the tracks. And it got me thinking um, how sad it must be that somebody finds themselves where their life, lives have just unraveled so much um, that that would happen um, and God almighty my heart was breaking from them and their family and the reasons why somebody would do something like that it happens all too often on our tracks it was just so sad it really put a kind of a downer on the whole event um, but we did go to Kilmainham and while there were a lot of Irish people there on the tour that we did uh, I was kind of interested in the fact that an awful lot of those that were in Kilmainham on Saturday afternoon while I was doing the tour 
were tourists. And I'm just assuming that Irish people also, you know, often ask people, I'm giving away family passes to all sorts of wonderful uh, tourist attractions around Cork. And I'm trying to encourage Cork people, and maybe you would do it anyway, and don't want to sound as if I'm preaching. But I was kind of thought it was interesting because there were a lot of big groups at Kilmainham, but they were from all over the world. Now, there were Irish people there, but I suppose I'm asking the question, do we take our own history seriously enough? Have you been, say, to the likes of Kilmainham or Arbor Hill or indeed many of the, you know, the Collins Barracks would be another one that would come to mind or Michael Collins Museum down in, in West Cork or, or things like that. Um, because it's only when you go up there, actually. You think of the world that we live in now and the state of things. And I know we asked on the air uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, what would Michael Collins or even De Valera make of it if they were around now, the calibre of a politician we have? But if you look at the sacrifices that they made 100 years ago, whether it was 1916 or indeed whether it was the War of Independence or indeed the Civil War, a visit to Kilmainham Jail really shows the type of sacrifices that men and women um, you know, went through gave the ultimate their lives um, over a hundred years ago. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Come back to Greyhound Racing in a few minutes' time and matters related to that. I continue to get people giving me all sorts of prices of uh, tourism in Ireland and the bookings and the amount of money they spent. Tried to book a, a week in Ireland in August for the month of August or a couple of weeks a while back. Two adults and two kids. It was a minimum of €1,800 Euro for a crap house in a location like Dingle, Clare or Galway. It's a joke of a country. I hope for another recession. Years ago, you could get super value breaks for a week in Dingle for 299. Now it's 1,800 euro for a fairly crappy house. I don't think wages went up that much, do you? That's why, of course, people are keen to go overseas. But I was telling you, because of the weather that's too hot to handle in much of Europe, Irish people are holding out on last minute holidays until this incredible heat storm that's hitting Europe, actually passes. And we spoke earlier on about that with Carlo Weather. But Owen Corey is the editor of Air and Travel magazine. He's got his finger on the pulse of the heat and he joins me by phone. Owen, good morning. Yeah, fairly burnt finger at this stage. I, would, I would think so. What, how is it impacting on, on tourists overseas? Do, do we know? Are they staying indoors? Are they trying to come home? Are they having nightmare holidays or what? tends not to impact that much. They, you know, we don't get cancellations. We don't get people saying, oh, I'm going to put back the holiday till September. Uh, they're called fun holidays for a reason. People do chase the heat if you're going to, um, you know, you're, you're draw a line across Europe. It goes from Madrid uh, just up through halfway through Paris, uh, France, uh, Alps, and then uh, Croatia and Greece and all below that is looking very red at the moment. But where even within those countries, the places that are facing the really, really hot weather, it tends to be interior. It doesn't tend to be the coastal areas. It doesn't tend to be the islands. Um, where it does impact is the theme parks, the activities, things like that. You're not going to be queuing in Porto Ventura for an hour and a half to get on a slide, although the, the water slide people, the water Caribe Park is saying that they're open and they're uh, cooling down the queues. But it does mean curtailing your activities and there's no shortage of good medical advice out there. It's all about um, avoiding the sun. It's all about hydration, very important. But are they closing any of these theme parks, do you know? I mean, they closed the Acropolis to tourists in Athens, for instance, because of the heat. Yeah, they've, they've closed some of the historic ones um, and anywhere that involves long queues outdoor 
they're looking at it, but they haven't closed uh, Port Ventura, they haven't closed Disney Paris, they haven't closed anything. But they tend uh, they tend to cope with uh, they tend to have co- other coping mechanisms than, rather than just cope uh, turn uh, close a theme park. Obviously, when you're dealing with the Acropolis, you're dealing with this, uh, management issues of another kind. Mm-hmm. Then there's an article in the Independent this morning saying that the Irish are we known for last minute holidays just holding off until the price comes down and you're gone in a few days is that is that a typical Irish way of doing things for some uh, typical Irish probably not but we're good at gaming the system so uh, it's a it's a game every year it's a bit like taking on the bookies your decide is the capacity greater than the demand let's hold on because the people will then be selling off those seats and what, yeah so if if somebody does that they are, they're not all that bothered about where they go as long as they get the weather and they can get it cheap at the last minute is it Basically, but that's changed so much down the years, and I'll tell you why. Uh, long ago, in our childhood day, because um, basically the holidays were run by charter companies, so you flew out on Saturday, you came back on a Saturday. Uh, it was fairly set in stone, and they would uh, release a certain number of seats every year. J- you know, JWP the travel people remember the ads of a certain age. Um, what happened really is that. The low-cost airlines changed of that. They operated on a different model. They give the incentive. Um, your last-minute special is going to be sold in January, if that makes any sense, because they'll give the really cheap offers to get the people to book early. Then they get the number of seats sold, and then they just cancel the flights if they're not going to pay for themselves. So the whole thing of waiting to the last-minute deal, you know, which was a, a thing in the 80s, mm. 90s, mid-90s, up to the mid-90s, is probably gone. Mm. What happened, though, is that there is um, always a couple of flights that really are slow to move, and they you, you, you get flash sales, you know, 48-hour sales, mm. particularly from the low-cost airlines, um, and they then the computer makes a decision whether the flights are, are viable or not. But the, keep an eye on routes. It's always a good idea, I think, of yeah, the program before, to keep a route that are slow to sell. Yeah, but maybe not in the next week or 10 days, on though, no. I mean, it's who, wants, 40, this who year. wants 45 let's, degrees, like, or even higher? Let's, let's cut to the chase. There, there is no, there's nothing late out there this year because the demand was already outstripping supply because post-pandemic... Uh, everyone says, oh, this is what the demand for 2023, summer 2023 is going to be. We saw airlines calculate that. We saw airports calculate. They all got the figures wrong. They, the demand is a little bit higher, not that okay. enormously okay. higher. Okay. And uh, so getting your, picking up your last minute deal, there are bargains still, still to be got, but they're not in the, in the main locations. They're not in the headline locations. And back to that thing on the how much we pay for our home holiday, that's a very raw supply and demand thing. Um, you know, we've got, if, if the demand is outstripping supply, which it is, uh, the prices are going to climb. But you've got to always remember that the prices you're offered with two weeks to go are going to be high anyway. I know, I mean, this one with the crappy house in Dingle at 1800 for a week, this would have been... There are no crappy houses in Dingle. Come on, it's the most wonderful town. You can't, can't go I'm wrong. Not, I, I'm not saying it. I'm, I'm just saying this is what he, he wanted himself and his wife and the two kids to go to Dingle for a week. They describe it as a crappy house in Dingle also yeah, looked to Clare and also looked to... Or, or day, yeah. Okay, well, maybe I, I let's not use the word crappy house, but it certainly is accommodation in a house for a week at €1,800 Euro for a week. I mean, there, there was a time when you wouldn't get that for a month. 
Sometimes um, you July August will some some houses will always you know a little bit on the high side and in the high demand areas and you're talking about you're talking about premium Ireland there you're talking about the most sought after locations not just by the home holders but also by um, the the visitors the Americans. The well, the might be the kind of money the RT might spend for accommodation, but an average punter on an average wage could. I uh, get the old Barker account going now. You might just <laughs> you might be able to get someone in Castletown there for you. No, the real is that um, you know everything has gone up it's not just our own holiday accommodation uh, the hotel prices across Europe are gone up the air, air prices have that I tell you it's quieter out there though it's quieter around Ireland tourist wise um, everyone's it, reporting is it. Is, it, is, it, is it or is it good, very strong I mean there, there's a good the figures for people coming to the airport is a good indicator and they do, do show a good deal of traffic uh, whether that is evenly distributed in the right places is always the big question for Irish tourism. Okay, okay. Just and just finally back to the incredibly high temperatures. I'm particularly concerned for people on the Canary Islands, though, where yes. where yes. they have had to evacuate four thousand people from their homes. Even the residents and those that live there find it difficult. Do you imagine what Irish tourists must be like on the Canary Islands right now? Yeah, well, the Parliament doesn't get. Irish tourists, I think the grand total pre-pandemic is 260 for the year. It's a difficult place to get to. But do remember, there's loads of terrific medical um, advice out there to the midday sun and five weeks. Yeah, out of the midday access, sun. Yeah. Access those local, uh, not just the general internet stuff you get, but what the local health authorities are telling you. And uh, tourists don't tend to be impacted because they do things. They've air-conditioned comfort and they've lovely restaurants to spend the day. All right, my friend. Accentuate the positive as always. Owen Corrie, editor of Air and Travel. Oh, it's a great magazine. pleasure. Thank you. Take care, Owen. Cheers, my man. Back to texts from you good people who listen to this radio programme. My daughter, Rebecca, and my three grandkids are actually camping in a three-bedroom air-conditioned bungalow in Saint-Chinon in southern France. We paid €1,200 from July the 8th to July 22nd with Wi-Fi, water and electricity included. Our flights and trains plus taxis were €540 and our shopping yesterday in Intermarche was €180 for two weeks. We're all vegetarian and we don't drink, but we have a 13-month-old baby who needs diapers and we bought mosquito sprays, so add another €40 euro for that. All in all, it's costing us €2,260 for five people. Two weeks of magical holidays filled with sunshine um, from 7am in the morning while listening to Red FM. Thank you for that text. I love it. Uh, Neil, can I tell you, West Cork is down for sure. It's been the quietest May and certainly June we've ever had in business. Bantry is well down with no accommodation in the town. All beds are filled with Ukrainians and asylum seekers and they're not spending one brass penny in the town of Bantry. The town is like a ghost town. This winter will see a tsunami of small businesses closing its doors and that is the heart of all towns in Ireland. Small businesses are the character and the core of the town. The government is destroying our beautiful country. Read out my text and get the highly paid local councillors on to ask them what they're doing about tourism, say, in my town of Bantry. What support are they giving the struggling small businesses? They have two pub restaurants in the town, so surely they're feeling it. And the big cruise ships have been taken out of the town when they dock on the pier, as in the cruise ship passengers are being taken directly out of Bantry when they come ashore. 
Just one or two more ahead of the break. I was in Scotland for five days touring around. Five nights, including breakfast in a hotel. €405, five nights, including breakfast. You'd be lucky to get a room in a hotel for €400 a night in Ireland. And I can tell you one thing, there'd be no breakfast. And a final one, I was thinking of surprising my wife with a week away, staying in Waterford. We have an adult child who lives with us, so a two-room stay for three people for a week in Waterford, €3,930. This is absolutely crazy, Neil, when I could get two weeks away in Spain, all-inclusive, for almost the same money for an apartment and looking after ourselves. I'll send you the screenshot of the hotel in Waterford if you want me to do so. I take your word for it, Pat. I take your word for it. Text 0868 Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. We have the phone on 0818 104 106. Um, I heard them mention, Kelly mentioned there, uh, the ban on tea in the Gwail couple of interesting texts on that. Uh, another reason that Banantees are no longer keeping teenagers in the Gwaeltucht is because the rules and regulations came out about what you need to have in the house to keep them. And in some cases, it would cost people money then, uh, much too much money than it did in the past. I think COVID lockdowns probably made people realise that they didn't need the hassle of it. And I also think people are a lot more mindful of having strangers in their house than people were 20 years plus uh, years gone by. The areas that have dorm rooms for them are still able to host them in the likes of Balangiri. But because of rules and regulations, more of the Banantees have just pulled out. I overheard you talking recently about Irish colleges. Best time of my life. I went from fifth and sixth class to uh, Skullnanog and Glanmire. The years after that, I went to Dingle, St. Mary's of the Isle as a day pupil, and Cape Clear. Our parents were farming, so had no time to entertain us over the summers and there were no summer camps back then. The Cayleys were the best crack. Unfortunately, the Irish is well lost, but the best memories remain. Love the show. Um, but the reason I'm reading those out is because we actually touched on it some, some weeks back as to whether or not people still go to Irish college or were there still as many people who engage in the activities of a ban and tea in the summertime. Uh, it could be down Coulé, it could be Balangiri, it could be over along and Ring, between Cork and Waterford and, and places like that it seems to be um, dying off. Um, can I just go back to uh, a topic from earlier on this morning and this had to do with the racetrack down in Yall. Alarmingly, the examiner releases statistic this morning saying the Yall Greyhound track uh, got um, €763,000 in funding since 2020 and yet it has two meetings every week but when you average the amount of people, as in punters or members of the public who actually go to the Greyhound meets, it works out at three people per Greyhound meet. Three members of the public going in. And that sounds bizarre to me. Now, we did invite on uh, the uh, general manager of the uh, track down in Yall on air this morning, the course manager, to appear on the show, but we haven't received any response. But I did receive a statement um, where they say that the two weekly meetings at Yall are held at times early in the morning or early evening and they're not conducive to attracting public attendance. Unlike other stadia across the Republic of Ireland, your Greyhound Stadium race meetings are instead now geared towards the provision of events for Sports Information Services, a company which provides content and production services to the betting industry 
across Ireland, the UK and worldwide. Um, RCE, which is Reashukt Con Naheran, acknowledges the important contribution made by Yaw Greyhound Stadium to Yaw's social and cultural life and is the home of the oldest track supporters club in the country, founded in the 1950s. KPMG is in the process of finalising a strategic plan um, for RCE, which is Reashukt Con Naheran, for the whole network of stadia, including Yaw, for the next five years and that the plan will be published in the coming months so it would be inappropriate to comment further on stadium operations until such time as the plan has been finalised. So that is a response from Yall Track which is pretty much acknowledging what the examiner is saying this morning um, that punters aren't going that there aren't members of the public going and its primary focus now is to provide um, live television footage for sports information services, which provides um, content and production services to the betting industry. The question needs to be asked there, is that something that the taxpayer should be uh, footing the bill for? So keep those coming, text 0868 104 106. I want to go back to my phone lines. Actually, this is a good call because I was talking to Mark when he was, uh, uh, he was um, I think he was over in Lanzarote at the time. We were actually talking about Frank's chipper and Carrick Tool at the time. But Mark, good morning. Good morning, Neil Hurting. Did you get a last-minute deal, A, and yes. B, what, yes. were the temp- what were the temperatures like? Uh, I don't think there was a day we were out there that it was less than 40 degrees. And is that the first time you holidayed in 40-plus degrees? No, it's our second time. We went for our honeymoon way back to 2005. We were over in the Turkey area, and it was kind of far, low 40s again. But it was absolutely sickening. Now, I heard you saying that 12 o'clock is the time to stay out of the sun. It's actually around 2 or 3 o'clock. It's the hottest part over there. No, I just hear of the midday sun, you know, when it's highest in the sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, it's 2 or 3 o'clock when we were over, over in the Canaries because it was like 42, 43, 44 degrees. It was absolutely crazy. Where crazy in the Canaries were you? Day. We were in Lanzarote, down in Port of the Caribbean. Okay. It's like even yeah, difficult got- just to move around in it. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was fairly sticky, all right. But look, you're on holiday, so you kind of accept it. Like, but we um in the place we were staying, it was um you know, we were saying about the last minute deal. It was only two weeks ago. I surprised my wife with it. I said, I'd look it up. Just look it up on. I don't know if I can give a plug. Love Please holidays. Do. That's I just yeah. love holidays. Yeah, I just I searched that site and I found this place. Down, I just did anywhere in the Mediterranean or anywhere in Spain, and it came up for two flights from Cork with a 20 kg bag each the only thing we had to pay for was um, our transfers from the airport to the hotel which is only around 20 quid anyway for a taxi and all inclusive so bed, breakfast, lunch evening meal and all drinks and there's no limited drinks over in the Canaries so drink away all day and I had changed out of 1310 euros for the two of you including the flights? everything Everything I just said there was under 13, it was 1,308 euros. About a 750 euro full yes. board, including flights for a week all in the inclu- Canaries. All inclusive, not full board, all inclusive. All inclusive is even bigger than full board because your bed's yeah, included. Yeah, what I mean, all inclusive is everything, including your drinks, full board is just your meals. So I think the bar was open from like 10, 10.30 in the morning to 11 o'clock at night, so over 12 hours you could drink as well if you like. Did you drink 12 hours? 
I didn't bring it back sight, so you, you, <laughs> my, my wife made a good dental it, but I didn't know. I, I'd, I'd maybe three or four each day. That's all. You know, that's that's all. Well, I she'll, thank, like, you she'll know. thank you this morning for throwing her under a bus. Then, in fairness, <laughs> she wouldn't deny it. Don't worry, anyone who knows her, she's not afraid to say she'd have a gin and tonic at eleven o'clock in the morning. Ah, well, when you're on your holidays poolside <laughs> exactly, and the temperatures, exactly. it probably feels exactly. like five o'clock in the afternoon. Sun's yeah, over so the yard. I, I searched, and I searched only maybe was it yesterday or the day before. Actually, before I came back for the middle of August, so we'd say four or five weeks time. And the same break was over three thousand euros. Next May, it was over three thousand euros. So there's definitely last minute deals to be got there if you wait. And take is that a what that is? A last minute deal where they're trying to clear apartments. Was it an apartment in a complex or a hotel room? Or it, what? Was a, it was a hotel. Yeah, it was a four star hotel. So when they can't stars, shift it. Like, like yeah. for 750 euro, you'd be lucky to get two nights in a hotel in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. And we got, like I said, flights, accommodation and 20 kg baggage and all-inclusive meals and drinks. The whole shebang over for the both of us. But 44 degrees, though. I mean, there's no pleasure in that, though. Is there surely? No, well, I mean, yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be out in the boat when we're playing soccer or anything. Like, you know what I mean? If, yeah, you'd be playing beach volleyball or anything like that. Yeah, I would not. One of the days, all right, we did take a walk down by, we're down the strip, and I thought it was a shortcut to the beach. And my wife actually burnt her feet on the sand. That's it. Yeah, that'll happen. It was that hot, you know what I mean? So yeah. we had to come out and they're looking, there was cold showers there. She was able to, to, to cool off from all the, like, you know, but it was it's crazy heat, like. And I, I hope that, that heat isn't coming here, like. No, well, we'll be fine. Don't you worry about it. I was hoping we might get a lick off the back end of it, but we don't even want that because... Yeah, you uh, take low 20s gladly. <laughs> well, you know, maybe in the month of August. Anyway, what can you do? Yeah. Well done. If you, can go yeah. at the, if you can go at the last minute, you can get a deal. Do you see people yeah. struggling, though? I mean, God, can you imagine? It's fine for, for the likes of your good self, but you had, if you had toddlers with you overseas... What I, what I found hard was, obviously, when you're away in these places, the hotels are being refurbished and the lads working. It's like, oh my God, I was watching them and I, I said it to my wife and I was over there. I was like, how, how, I mean, we can barely go up from shop to shop or bar to bar or whatever we were doing. These lads were on building sites and shuffling concrete and laying slabs oh, yeah. at 12, 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, oh my God. The fella died you know, on a so, site last year, last week in Spain. He died on the site. Well, you know. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, it's crazy. I couldn't, I couldn't work in this. If I live in it, I'd probably struggle, but you'd get by, but I couldn't, certainly couldn't work in that condition. Welcome home, Mark. Welcome home, pal. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Take care. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers uh, by text, currently listening to you in Sol Timir Hotel in Torremolinos. High 40s today, currently full blanket cloud, but the sun will come out. It'll be around 2 p.m. this afternoon. It'll be dips in and out of the pool, and then you'll be fine but they're expecting high 40s today in Torremolinas. Text 0868104106. Monday Munchies, courtesy of ourselves, an offbeat donut. So we will deliver to wherever you're working. And if there's a lot of you, five boxes will be delivered, then that's upwards of 60 donuts. I'm on maternity leave, but thinking of my colleagues in the endoscopy unit and the bonds, they deserve the donuts, especially considering they're to work without me for the last few months. <laughs> they're lost without you. I'd love to win for all the staff and Ray of Sunshine Childcare. Staff are working hard all summer entertaining the kids from 7 in the morning to 7 in the evening, says Linda. The Monday blues are sour, Neil. They're sour. We need donuts to sweeten the blow. For the week ahead, says Power Haulage and Carrick Tool. We'd love to get the donuts for the staff at the Mardak Arena at UCC, especially all the activity staff. They're working with the kids in the summer camps. Thanks, Emil. Make it happen. O'Brien's accounts in Clonakilty. 
to say thank you for the help and support during my first year of the MTU course and to celebrate my fantastic results after my exam. As an adult student with special needs, a child, work and family, it was so hard but worth it. So I just wanted to say thank you for helping me throughout the academic week, academic year to everybody at O'Brien's accounts in Clonakilty. Uh, Tusla Aftercare Services, it would be great to get a bit of sugar pick-me-up to get us through Monday. And a final one, I would love to surprise my colleagues in CIE's Bus Aaron in Capwell and Parnell Place with some delicious offbeat donuts. I personally get them often and they're lovely. Not actually working today myself, but it would be nice to give the lads and ladies a little treat in Capwell's control room, in the traffic office and all of the other staff. Trust me, the donuts won't last long, says a bus errand driver. So we'll pick a winner for our um, Monday munchies just before midday. Back to calls after the break. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Yeah, I'll come back to it. Don't worry about it. I have a lot of stuff happening here and the guys are talking to me as well on the talk back. So I'll get back to calls for the time I've left before midday today and read out some of those texts in a minute on Rip Off Ireland. So, Fred, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How Fred, are how are you, pal? How are you? You had a €500 Euro voucher, was that? I had a €500 Euro voucher for Sheen Falls. So we, in uh, Kenmare, a fabulous hotel. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I got a shock, though, because um, we said we got on wrong, Kerry, my pal, and myself, for a few days. About three weeks ago, and I popped into Sheen Falls. With the voucher, you um, went, you called in. Yeah. I did, yeah. Yeah. And, um, I got a shock. She said it was um, 650 euros a nice B&B. Wow, it's a lot of money, but it's a very exclusive five-star hotel. It's a beautiful hotel, you know. Yeah, so she said um, 650, very expensive. So she said that if I held on until around October, maybe November, it could probably be reduced to 400 Still very expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're better off I, not taking that booking and using that voucher in the peak no, summer I months. have the voucher, yeah. yeah. I yeah. have the voucher, yeah. I went on and yeah, we went down to Sneem Hotel, which was lovely. And um, we did three nights there, B&B, and two evening meals for about 400, I think. Yeah, yeah, Sneem is beautiful, yeah. yeah. Is, we went down to your neck of the woods then in Port McGee. <laughs> Jesus is beautiful. <laughs> I don't, know did, you ma- I don't I, know. did you manage to find anywhere to stay down there? <laughs> no, I didn't know. We only drove around. Like we were staying in Sneem, like, but Jesus, Port McGee is beautiful. It is beautiful, yeah. And it's um, yeah. it's particularly beautiful at the moment. There's a lot of tourists around. They had a bad week there recently where none of the boats got to land on Skellig and it would break your heart for people who came from all over the world. Among one no. of the things that's on their bucket list and to find when they get to the quayside the weather's too bad it's it's heartbreaking for them you know it really is I know yeah we weren't going in any boats and yeah because my fa- partner is uh, afraid of boats and afraid of water so well we yeah you, you think twice about it as well if you're afraid of heights well I'm not even afraid of heights and yeah heights are not problem to we did we did get on to Sheen Falls on your behalf though and we spoke to Michelle there and they said that they have an entry level at 250 euro per night uh, because it was last minute, the whole hotel may have been at capacity, so the higher-end units might have been the only ones left. It could have been bigger rooms or something. They said that the €600 Euro that you were offered the room for was correct, but that would have to do with the time of the year. You got very wealthy people 
checking into the Lake Sashin Falls, yeah. you know? And uh, I must say, you know, they were very nice because, um, uh, the, you see, the, the thing about it was it got better, really, because the porter came out and brought in on my gear, on my luggage. It was embarrassing, really. He, you, he br- has to bring it back over again. You mean you arrived, brought everything in up to reception, not having already I had did, a booking? Yeah. <laughs> you were very oh, yeah, that's, how, yeah. how many nights did he you was, think you'd get in Sheen Falls with the 500? I was thinking about three nights. <laughs> Are you living in the 1960s or what, Fred? <laughs> really? You'll get a... You'll get, um, you get a holiday for that open spin. <laughs> I know, I know, I know you would, and that's why we're having the conversation. Do you know what yeah, a very good I mean, vouchers? You know the blue book vouchers. You know those ones. You can get vouchers for the blue book. Do you ever hear I that? Never heard of them. Well, like oh. if somebody wants to give somebody a voucher, for instance, for a hotel or a, or a good guest house in Ireland, you can give them a voucher, um, and you can use that voucher then in hundreds of different hotels all over Ireland. Jeez, I never knew that. No. Uh, I was delighted with the voucher because my family gave me the voucher for Christmas and I was delighted and I was saying, Jesus, Shane Father would be lovely, like. And, uh, but it was embarrassing, like. And then your man said to me, uh, the porter, and said, look, um, I had met him earlier. He was driving through Kenmare and we were sitting down in the street having a meal and he was driving a couple around in one of these um, open-top cars. And he was waving and shouting to everyone. Day. And then he said to me, when you come down now, he said, I'll give you a spin around in Mayor in the car. Lovely. So he, could, he couldn't be nicer, really. Like I'd that. say off-season, right? Just know they're lovely people. I have stayed there, incidentally. Hands up, disclaimer. Yeah. I love the hotel. I haven't paid that kind of money, though, because I wouldn't be inclined to go there during peak summertime. But I'd say off-season. Now, perhaps that would be like October or maybe November. You'd get certainly yeah. two. I think you'd certainly get two nights with dinner on one night for about your five hundred voucher. I'd say. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll go down in here because we want to see what the other half of the world is. <laughs> it, have a look and see what it's like. All right, Fred. Yeah. Look after yourself, pal. Thanks, Take care. Thanks, Dave. Text six eight one zero four one zero six. This receipt that I was given here, Kevin, is that from just because I want to be fair to everybody. It doesn't say. It just says that it's a carrot cake. 404, hear me, carrot cake, €4.50, Euro 50. small bottle of Cabignon Sauvignon, €11. Euro. Are they the tiny bottles? They're the tiny, tiny bottles. Americano, get. €3, Euro, and yeah. the cup levy, 20 cent. Where was this? This uh, was in a cafe in Cork Airport. Um, I just want to get the exact name. We've actually, just, it, just by the way, we've, been, we've just been trying to get in touch with Cork Airport. But there is, we, that's the small little bottle of wine, isn't it? The one that you kind of get a glass and a bit out of. Yeah, it's it's like, it's the, the kind of ones you can get in a supermarket for like maybe three or four euros. It's, um, it's called uh, the Lemon Pepper Cafe and it opened in December of 2022. Okay. Uh, okay, in the airport. Are they paying high rent up in there, up there in the airport that they're charging eleven euro I mean, for a small? I though. can't imagine a cafe stall in an airport or a train station or any transit place is that cheap. But at the same time, you know, like eleven euros for a tiny bottle of wine is is 
fairly outrageous. Um, now, some people were saying maybe there was a mistake with the receipt, maybe they, no, this is why I was trying to mistake. get in touch with the cafe to try and see if they can clear that up, um, but I just I couldn't find any contact. What's the cup levy about it? I thought that was for the cup levy seems to be, yeah, I, I thought it was for our takeout places as well. It seems to be a, a new uh, government scheme where, you know, to cut down on the amount of single use. But who gives you your 20, you don't get a refund on the 20 cents? No, it's like cup. a plastic bag levy, you know, you, you, it gets added onto your receipt at the end, so. But was it a takeout cup? Uh, the the woman didn't specify in the in the, when she sent in the message, but I she said she sat down with her mother and she got the the, the wine for her mother. So I, I can only presume that they were sitting in because they were waiting for the daughter. To Here's come one home for you. I do I do appreciate that sometimes the rental cost in an airport for a kiosk or a stall can be quite high, and I think the same could be said of 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 Kent Station. What do you think of this? I was in Kent Station on Saturday morning, um, and there was a bit of a delay for tragic reasons that I explained. So I got um, a flat white in the coffee shop. There's a big queue there. Big queue. I mean, thriving business. It was €3.85. Euro do, you, do you think that's about one fifty two dear? You're asking Isn't it that coffee? I, mean, I don't really I mean, drink coffee. coffee. beans and a little bit of I milk. Mean, I, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen some places are... I, I don't drink flat whites. I if you ask me, don't no, call, I don't. I don't. Call, I don't. I mean, coffee. I, I, I haven't a clue. But well, an Americano would be should be around. I mean, in a petrol. Well, what would it cost you in a petrol station? If that I had one in a petrol station, but I, but I if see you were the, to get it in a machine kind of thing. Like even the hot chocolates, I see. You know, two you euro it should be max. Chai, yeah. I mean, like, what, what, what are you talking about here? Like? You're talking about a bag of 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 catering beans. Yeah, which are big big bags. Right, like I, uh, my bag of my bag of beans is a Lavazzo bag of beans. It's big. It's a big bag. It's nineteen euro. Twelve months ago, that bag of was was fourteen euro fifty. Mm. But you would get easily a hundred big cups of coffee out of that bag. So, like, how much is a cup of coffee to produce? It's got to be twenty cent, uh, thirty cent. They, they definitely were. They were saying about the the margins of cups of coffee are is enormous. Are, are absolutely huge. So, how yeah. can you turn into uh, you know a twenty cent bean? Cup of coffee with a little bit of, of milk or oh, old milk into 385. I suppose they'll say rent costs, keeping the lights on, keep paying staff. Oh, I know, I, I mean, look, I completely Come agree on. with you. But there's some places are like, you know, I mean, even if you go, like a great example, uh, you get a meal deal in a Tesco, something like that, and it costs you whatever, four or five quid. That same meal deal in a WH Smith, which for exactly the same thing in an airport costs you seven or eight quid because you're you're in an airport. You know, it's, it's, it's like heading towards the five euro coffee and this is not I know that the frappuccinos and all those kind of ones are even dearer again right mm, but I mean, it's, look it's it's like um, I know, you know it's like the two euro litre of petrol and it's like anything in this country if you're it, it will come to a point where people just will refuse to pay the price of all of this people will just say I'm not I'm not paying five euros for a coffee do people know they tap and go do they even know what's on ah, surely you know what you're okay. paying I mean if you don't know what you're paying then you know for things you need to get your head checked because or you're living in a life where you don't have to worry about money which you know fair play to you <laughs> of the power to you but for the rest of us I'm very conscious know, of what I'm I very, I'm very conscious of, of the 385 very uh, anything doesn't La- matter what I guess latte or flat white I, I'd I, even even when I see the price of chocolate the, you go get a bar now it's you, you before it used to be you know you'd get a you get two for 150 in some in some stations and now it's it's costing you at least euro 50 euro 60 for per bar it's almost double the price and the, and the size of them has gotten yeah, less so it's yeah just, and they've got smaller with shrink, shrinkflation yeah. alright thank you let me get um, back to the phone lines incidentally what do you think is a fair price for a cup of coffee guys text 0868104106 the carrot cake was 450 the small bottle of red wine was 11 the Americana was 3 
And the one that really interests me is the 20 cent cup levy. Ah, that's a good one. Alex, good morning. Uh, hang on a second. Good morning, Neil. Thank, Thank you for having me on. Yes, and I'm only hearing this now, so I'm not necessarily prepared for it. But you're the union rep at Independent Workers Union. You have areas like Fromoy, Balancholic, um, areas like that, representing Iceland staff. Correct. Okay. Now, why are we talking? What's happening within Iceland? So, on the 16th of February, the Iceland Foods Ireland chain was going through a transfer of undertakings from one company to the other. Uh, And just as a precursor before I continue, everything I say is backed up by publicly available information from the company registration office. And we've double verified it just to be sure. So the company was taken over by one Mr. Naeem Maniar, who bought 100% of the shares for one euro of all 27 stores. And since the 16th of February, there has been issues that the workers are facing in relation to wage payments, adjustments to their holiday pay, statutory sick pay, bereavement leave, bank holiday pay, and the list goes on. Is it just there the are, Irish stores or was this right across the UK? It's just the 27 stores in the Republic of Ireland, but if you do check the news in Britain, you will see that they're also winding down some of their stores, so perhaps this is part of a wider strategy, I couldn't tell you. Okay, so for the euro, he buys the debt and everything or something, yeah? Correct. And since the interim examiner's report was released, the revenue, actually, there are letters in the appendices of the report and they ask, you know, where did this this desk come from? And there's a kind of uh, confusing British company name that says, look, we just transferred over the debt. Okay. I was in Iceland Iceland a few weeks ago, right? Yeah. Um, Which one? Uh, Douglas and I found all of the freezer cabinets empty. Member staff told me that they had to withdraw huge amounts of stock stock um, because yes. it, it didn't meet what, what, what was the reason for that? Do you know? Yeah, I do. So since the company took over, whether by deliberate or accidental purpose, they did not secure the HSC permits that they need for traceability issues for their frozen foods. It's kind of a straightforward process for importing frozen goods outside of the European Union where anybody who engages in the import of frozen products just needs to be able to demonstrate that they will be stored safely and securely and that if there are any issues with them, they can be destroyed. The company didn't do that and the Food Safety Authority hopped on uh, about a month and a half ago and instructed that all the products that have been brought in since the 3rd of March, so this has been going on for almost half a year, need to be destroyed. So all the of ed- that in all of the different yeah. branches was destroyed. Perfect. There was nothing yeah. wrong with the food, but it didn't have the right licensing, so it was destroyed. Exactly. Destroyed. Yeah. And it cost about half a million to do that. Surely they could have done something better with people thought, oh my God, like people need food and they just destroyed perfectly good food. Yeah, that was the comment a lot of workers made. Could we have given it to homeless charities? Could we have just given it away for free? And in fact, there's actually correspondence internally saying that we're not, that workers are not to give it out for free, that it's to be destroyed, and this is by the instructions of the HSE. But it wasn't as if dodgy food was inside in the cabinets. There was nothing wrong with it. It was what they'd normally sell that got destroyed. Yeah, because of the traceability issues. That, that was the issue with the, the importing, imported food. Okay, I think that's heartbreaking at a time when people are finding it difficult that all of that went and was just, what, burnt? Burnt, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, but it's the employer, really. Okay. You, you would have thought that 
What's Given the story? So private, what, what's yeah. the story with staff then? Well, the story is quite straightforward. Since the takeover, there's been quite a lot of changes to the terms and conditions of the workers, up to and including modifications to their holiday pay. So just by one way of an example, I'm sure many of the listeners have at one point in their lives clocked in for their shift on, you know, that clocking machine where you stick your hand in and you do the... The old days, yeah. Your, your number, yeah. You punch well, your card. Old, yeah, well, most places still have that, you know, you stick your hand in and you give your number. I, they still have it in Duns anyway, as far as I know. And in Iceland, they have something called Time Point, which accumulates their holiday pay. And one of the things the company did, and again, we can verify this because we have extensive documentation of it, is that there was modifications made to the holiday pay that workers had accrued. So as part of a transfer of undertakings, any entitlements employees have should transfer over. But one of the things we allege the company has done is they've actually modified all of their workers' holiday pay. So for example, if you had 20 hours accrued, and you went on holiday, you might find yourself getting paid for five hours holiday pay, and your holiday pay on this time point application will now say that you, in fact, owe the company money. And this happened in every single store to pretty much every single worker. That's insane, man, that they wouldn't have just taken over everything lock, stock and barrel, including all rights to employees' holidays. Yeah, it is insane. And what's more insane is that there's absolutely zero recourse for the workers. So the Food Safety Authority Ireland incident is actually a perfect comparison here Wasn't because on, yeah, go on. If, yeah. on the one hand if there are issues with food the HSE is all over it but on the other hand if you're working in your Iceland shop and you ring the WRC or the labour inspector or whoever and you say look my boss hasn't paid me my wages this week or has engaged in wage theft then there is no there is nobody that will show up the next week and say compel the employer or investigate the issue. You have wasn't, to lodge wasn't there, a WRT case. But yeah, okay, so it's not, it's not like-minded in the sense of what you're saying, but wasn't there, a, wasn't there a dispute though? Wasn't there a strike or a protest outside one of the branches? At least one of them. So, as, it's, as we speak, there is a strike scheduled for tomorrow in Ballyfermouth and West Dublin and Talbot Street Store in Dublin City Centre is consistently occupied for the 22nd day by the workers because they're all due outstanding holiday pay, wages, uh, bereavement leave, etc. And what about the Cork stores? What what are we talking about here? Certainly Douglas, Middleton, Ballancolig, Formoy, is it? Ballancolig is the only one left in Cork. The other three are put on what's called temporary layoff, joining, I think, 11 other stores around the country. And this temporary layoff is supposedly for four weeks. So they're closed. The other three are closed, are they? Temporarily. Well, supposedly temporarily, because the stock out of the ones that have already been on temporary layoff has been withdrawn and moved to other stores to be resold. Is it that people... Is it that Iceland is just not popular with Irish customers and shoppers? Well, I think a lot of the stores are community stores where local people shopped all the time. And when, for example, workers experienced adverse or negative changes to their terms and conditions when the air conditioning was taken off, when there was issues with their wages. The reality is workers in retail speak to their customers. I don't think the customers were too impressed in the last right. couple of months. Yeah, yeah. And tell me, are, are the pay, what are, what's pay like? What do, what do Iceland pay? The pay was actually better under the British franchise. The new contracts are inferior to the old contracts. And I'm sure you've heard this story before in many other workplaces. So the pay has actually deteriorated, incidentally enough. Okay. Um, Is it a case that workers really should be looking for new and better jobs then, I wonder? 
and just well, call it a day with their involvement in Iceland? Well, some of them have out of frustration, but I would take my hat off and I would urge others to commend the ones that have decided to stay and pick a fight. If we all simply left when the workplace got tough or it got bad or deteriorated, then sure, every workplace would be a terrible True, place True, I know work. that, I know, but it just doesn't augur very well going forward from what you're saying. I mean, we got no, a text no. we, got a, we got a text from a staff member in a Cork store. I don't know which store. And they yeah. said, we got a phone call and we were told, close the doors. Um, and we've been told it's a four-week layoff, but it's all up in the air. We don't even know if um, head if we should be even ringing head office or who to talk to. They're not paying staff. They're taking holiday pay. So this four-week layoff, is this, say, yeah. for instance, Middleton, Ballancolig, Douglas? Yeah. yeah. Without pay? They're entitled to sign on to the social welfare, but yes, without pay. Okay. And what do they expect to happen in four weeks' time? We don't know. The company refuses to engage with the union and unfortunately the industrial relations machinery in this country allows it to do that. They can simply ignore the union and all its correspondence. So my guess is as good as yours, but I think they, they won't be reopening again. So is this the end of the chapter? Are you guys intent as a union to do something about it? Is there a picket planned or anything like that? Or would it be any point? Of course there's a point. The company was taken over for one euro the debt was loaded onto it. This story sounds very familiar to the Debenham story. Yes, it does. And if the, if the workers didn't get organised, if they didn't stick together, if they didn't contact yourself and other media stations, if they didn't go on strikes, if they didn't occupy, well then, these guys, whoever they are and whatever their plan was, would have gotten away with well, it. Well, as a typical a, example, are, are the staff in Douglas going to occupy the, plan, uh, the, occupy the building? I encourage them to do so, but it's their call at the end of the day. Okay, okay. So what happens next? Well, what happens next is we continue this step-by-step, what I would call bitter dispute with the company. As I say, there, there is a strike plan for Dublin. We are encouraging and offering balloting for any store that wishes to join them. There is a store occupied. And if the stores and workers in Cork want to join them, then I say more power to them and the union is right behind them. You're saying that the union is encouraging the Cork staff to occupy the premises now? If that is what improves their leverage in obtaining what they're due, I say all power to them. And when were they told that, to close the doors? This morning? Last Tuesday. Last Tuesday? Okay. Yeah. Okay, it's interesting. Last Tuesday, I'm seeing the text for the first time. It's probably too late now, isn't it? Not necessarily. How the stock is inside the stores. The fridges are there. How would the, 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 the staff get back in? Have they keys? Most staff would have keys. Okay, okay. No, thank you. Thank you yep. very much. That answers my question. Let's see what happens next. Thank you for that for now, Alex, union rep at the Independent Workers Union. If you are a, an employee temporarily laid off, it would seem, would you be encouraged by that conversation with your union rep? Do you think you might consider occupying the building? Do you have keys? Text 0868104106. Monday Munchies, courtesy of ourselves, an offbeat donut after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. Offbeat donuts will give up to uh, 60 donuts. That's like five boxes, courtesy of ourselves, and offbeat donuts on French Church Street 2. And the winning text for today and this week is Lipton Soft Drinks in Carrigaline. How could you not give it to them? Looking for the Monday pick-me-up for Lipton Soft Drinks Ireland in Carrigaline. One of the girls in the office had her car stolen and burnt out 
at the weekend. So we we'll cheer her up this afternoon. So for you and all of the staff at Lipton's, you will win Monday munchies for this week, courtesy of yourselves and offbeat donuts. My last bit of business for now, we'll pick it up in the morning. We have family passes to give away all summer long. Today is no exception. So family passes, which will be five of them to give away now. I intend going to the Kinsale Museum myself on Thursday because I'm going down just for no scove around Kinsale on Thursday afternoon. So I'm going to go to the Kinsale Museum. So can you. We have five passes to give away now. Phone lines are open 0818104106. These are family passes. It's right in the middle of the town, dedicated to telling the history of Kinsale, housed in a 400-year-old market house, fabulous museums display there, lots of artefacts and oddities. Now, the museum covers a lot of important international events like the Battle of Kinsale in 1601. The sinking of the Lusitania, the inquest into the sinking of the Lusitania was held in the museum building. So it it, 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 it catalogues the maritime history and everything to do with uh, Kinsale and a beautiful place. So we have family pass to give away for that now. Take yourself off to beautiful Kinsale. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.